Welcome to the Zip 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 Zero Podcast. Zip 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 John Hale, what is up, my man? Shannon, the Cannon Griffin. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, buddy. Thanks for finally making the time. We've been back and forth on this for a couple months now. Yeah, man. My, my schedule's just been crazy, so sorry it took so long, but we did it. You're a busy guy, man. You uh, you seem to have your hands in a bunch of uh, a bunch of jobs that take up a lot of your time. That's right, man. You do too, man. You know, I'm sure you're always busy from you know all stuff you're doing. Man, I sell I sell Malibu boats for a living, which yeah. sounds like uh it's a terrible gig, right? <laughs> but <laughs> last year I only put 25 hours on boats. Oh, that's heart-wrenching. I know, right? That's three weekends basically. Yeah. And none of it hardly is with me behind the boat. Oh. Um, so I'm teaching people and our our girls are riding and uh just teaching friends, you know, getting the stoke up. Uh, as you get older, you know, you can't do anymore. You teach, right? And then what they say, that's right. So you got, you got two girls now. Uh, yeah, they're Misty's Misty's girls. There's, uh, Zoe's 16 and, uh, Madison is 13. That's awesome. And they're, what are they into? Like wakeboarding, wake surfing, looking at their phones, like every other teenager. (laughs) (laughs) They, uh, they get in and they, um, they actually ride a little bit. Um, you know, Zoe all of a sudden got to where she, um, was pretty pumped about wakeboarding and then she took a nice toe side edge and all of a sudden it's, it's lame, too easy and boring to her. <laughs> no <laughs> side like, like toe side. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. And then Madison's getting, um, she's pretty brave. Um, and she's getting into surfing a little bit and a little bit of wakeboarding. So I'm not trying to force them on anything. I just want it to be natural. And if they like it, cool. If not. Hey, I'm not going to force anybody to do anything. So That's the way to do it. Yeah, man. So let's, let's get down to what you've got going on at OWC and how you're putting out tons of videos. Yes, um, sir. It is amazing. I love checking them out, especially since you're doing them in like quick excerpts, man, that you can get, you know, a minute or two and you're really highlighting certain situations. They're always hilarious. Thank you. Um, when you, <laughs> how did it come about that you guys come out of the, uh, I guess the utility room at OWC? <laughs> Where did that come from? So um, I basically like I watch a lot of YouTube videos and I started following this guy named Andy Schrock. I typed in skateboarding on YouTube because I like skateboarding videos and this was like one of the biggest like YouTubers for like skateboarding and he has this thing he calls Warehouse Wednesday. So he has his own warehouse and he sells revive skateboards and at every Wednesday video, the first thing on every Wednesday video is he's just busting open the door and doing something crazy and random. And like, I just find it like humorous. Cause I'm like, Oh, what, what's it going to be this week? And I, I thought to myself, I'm like, I don't have a warehouse or anything like that. But like, he actually kind of inspired me to start making videos, you know, as well as many others. And I was like, we we've got a door that we can kick open and we've got random stuff in there. And, we got friends that like I like to film, so I'm like, okay, let's let's start doing this. And we came up with a lot of crazy random ideas, and I love all of them. I will say I'm a little disappointed in myself because I haven't kicked open that door in a while. But like, I want to get back into that, and start kicking that door, and start doing weird stuff with it. 
that was um to me that was one of the signature things for your videos um that and then the you you know that's cool you know you just saw a lot of high fives back in like skate and moto videos and knuckle bump transitions things like that and i think that's a that's a pretty cool way to do it and especially it makes a great cut to a, oh, yeah. to a different angle so you've, you've done well with that that's amazing Thank you so much. I actually have like friends and families that like will send me videos where they'll like put their hand over the camera and they'll be like, Yoo! like talking to me and like, it's, it's crazy. And I appreciate all the love. <laughs> <laughs> where did that come from? Just dorking around one day and it I just, stuck. I don't know. Like I, I saying you is like, just, this is like something I say like on the cable all the time, you know, just getting people hyped up, you know, getting ready to go. Um, and I don't know. I, I I felt like maybe one day I just put my hand over it and then I did it one time. And I felt like it was kind of like the door thing where I just started doing it every video. Yeah. It's either super annoying or it's catchy. So you got to go with one. You just yeah. feel the vibe out. I'm sure there's a lot of things that are just dead on the cutting room floor. Oh, um, yeah. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. I'm like, ah, that doesn't fit. It doesn't feel good. So. So anybody who does not know you that's listening to this podcast right now, you are the pun master and the rhyming wizard when it comes to operators at OWC and or standard conversation. I find it amazing. And it looks like you're wearing one of your hats right now. That's right. Don't stress it. Just press it. Yeah. <laughs> that That's like a crazy funny story too. Cause like, I remember, I want to say I was either just moving to Orlando or maybe it was right before I moved to Orlando. I went to a wakeboard contest and I don't know, it might've been Nick Weineker or it might've been Dana the Mano. And for people that don't know who that is, those are two like wakeboard announcers. Um, I think it was Dana the Mano, but I heard him say like over, you know, in the mic, you know, when he's announcing the wakeboard event, he was, he said, uh, no rope, no hope, which is a, a more common one. And I like lost my mind. I thought that was so funny and hilarious. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to start using that. So I did, you know, like no rope, no hope was a funny thing to say. And then when I eventually started working for the cable park, I had a manager that would give lessons. And when he would give lessons, he would say, lean back, stay low. You're good to go. Stand tall. You're going to fall. Yeah. Well, I lost my mind again. And it slowly trickled into something ridiculous where I'm just literally doing it for every scenario, every carrier, every board brand, like anything you could possibly think of wakeboard, kneeboard or water sports related. I had a, a rhyme for <laughs> That is awesome. Uh, you ever do just straight freestyles and, and get out there? So like I used to like do like freestyles, but like when I was like in high school, I thought I was gangster. So I'm like, oh yeah, you know, trying to like spit rhymes and stuff. I thought I was really good at it. I, like freestyle, I'm, I'm garbage. I'm just pure garbage but, and I know it, but it was fun to do. But yeah. I, I can't even do it anymore for water sports because I feel like it's, I've, I've, I've hit so many rhymes. I can't think of any other rhymes. So if anyone can think of any, feel free to let me know. Cause <laughs> I, I feel like I've maxed out all the rhymes you can be had on water sports. Right. Well, I mean, I think a lot of guys that are, um, so when we used to do hip hop music, we used to do rap battles. Um, I am not a hip hop artist, um, but I had some friends that were very good and I was pretty good at marketing and putting together events and whatnot. And, I think a lot of guys who were in those battles and doing freestyles, a lot of those guys probably had a lot of those rhymes in their head already, but they could apply them to certain situations. So they have this huge Rolodex in their mind of these raps. And I feel like that's probably what you kind of have going on out there, right? Oh, yeah. There are certain rhymes like, 
you know, that you can kind of see like on hand, like, you know, oh, this kind of applies to carrier six. Carrier six is for tricks. And if it's a girl on it, I'll be like, oh, carrier six for chicks doing tricks. And then oh, you kind of, you know, see a scenario and then kind of use more of those rhymes. So you guys just did the, um, the thigh high, was it a thigh high event? Yeah. Like so, um, Dano, the Mano, funny story. We were just talking about him. He randomly called me up out of the blue. I was on my way to elite cable park because we had a uh, points chase qualifier. So I'm just driving mind my own business and I get a call from Dano. I'm like, Hey Dano, what's up? And he's like, Hey man, I was thinking about having like a kneeboard division for like thigh high. And we we're like, spin ideas on my way there. And he was like, you know, do you want to do an exhibition or a contest? And I'm just like getting kneeboarding in front of people, like getting eyes on it. I'm like, I'm all about it. I don't care mm -hmm. how we do it. So he's like, okay, cool. You know, reach out to a few people and see who you can get. So I reached out to a bunch of people and we got myself, Jordan Adcock and uh, Jared Boland to like all show up mm -hmm. and, yeah, we did a little kneeboard exhibition. We got a, a pass there and back. And funny story, like none of us have ridden bow in like well over a year. It's probably been like a year and a half for me. So I was like, oh man, like I, I feel like I'm going to do pretty bad. Everyone else is feeling like really unconfident in themselves. And I think we all did really well compared to what we all thought we were going to do. I was Bro, like, I saw your front to blind that was humongous was that accidental or did you mean to go that big <laughs> i went as big as i could i was like the only thing i want to do is land one trick and i like i hoped it was my first trick so <laughs> i was like hey i got it and then everything else after that was just icing on the cake <laughs> uh did uh that was, i mean it was amazing it was the biggest trick i've ever seen you throw um you. especially on bone it was amazing um i've when i used to compete and I want to see if this is the same way with you. When you go off the dock, what what's your mindset? What are you thinking? Um, on the dock, when you're getting ready to do your run, what what's going through your head? Like, I think the more that I think about stuff, like I tend to like overthink, like if I start thinking. So I tend to just go like, okay, clear your mind, relax. You know how to do this. Like, I know the tricks that I'm most consistent with. So I, I tend to just like focus on those. I'm like, okay, you know how to do this. Just go out there and, you know, do your best. And if, if you don't do good, eh, whatever, like there's always next time. So I, I can't, I'm pretty relaxed on my, you know, thinking out there. What do you tend to think when you go out there? Well, it's changed a lot. Um, when I used to ride back in the nineties, early two thousands, um, it was all super focused. Um, and I would watch the other guys runs and, not not riding an open you know riding in men's one when that division was you know you had to trick five or six grand to win you know or even to place um i would add up people's scores i was so <laughs> good with the scores and the tricks and i knew how i could adjust my run to podium yeah um, now in practice at nationals at in michigan i i practiced a world you know a record-breaking run and then had my worst nationals the next day. It was terrible. <laughs> so it terrifies me to have a good practice. Uh, yeah. before. And so I stopped practicing before because so I won't think about it. It won't get in my head. I feel like I ran my juice out. And nationals was always I've I've fallen on a back roll with a grab, which is my second trick that I used to combo. 
only at nationals and I've <laughs> done it three times. <laughs> that's, you know? so smart, that's like, I've seen you ride. That's a trick that like, in your bag, like that's not a trick that you tend to fall on, but it, it just happens at nationals when you go only at nationals and it's <laughs> because I overshoot. I get a little excited. I'm planning my next trick and I'm not focusing on that one enough. Yeah. It's a trick that I don't even think about doing anyway. I can do it inside the wake out without even, you know, it's, it, that's just a, this a no brainer trick and I, I, whatever it is, what it is. It, and it gets in my, it gets in my head knowing that I'm like, okay, I'm not following this trick in two years. I'm going to nationals right here. It is. Oh, and it's always just slight of rotation that edge catches and, it is. Yeah. It's a strange thing, man. It's, yeah, it's like, not <laughs> going off what you said. Like, I feel like very much like the same way. Like for me, like if I go like and practice and practice and practice, like sometimes I'll get like a really good run and then like I'll go into an event and it's just, it's just garbage. And then on the flip side, I'll sometimes go into events and I'll just practice and practice and practice and it'll be garbage the entire time. I'm like, I'm not going to do good. So I'm just going to go have fun if, and then I'll do good. And I'm like, I don't understand like why that's happening. It's, it's very flip flop for me. It, like if I have a good practice, I tend to ride bad and vice versa. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I'm saying. It's uh, as long as I ride, if I have a bad practice, I'm usually like all F's are done. I don't, I don't give anymore. I'm just whatever. I, there's no reason to stress about it. I mean, you're already down to that time. There's no more training. There's no more practice. There's no more timing. And then you get to there and you know, the wakes all weird. I think, um, I was at the Sundrop World Championships. It was my first competition, um, like pro level comp, and you got the best in the world there. You had Jonathan McDonald, David McDonald, Billy Rossini. Oh uh, goodness, you, had, you got your work cut out for you, uh, Dave Jennings. And I mean, I had just learned my combo. It was my last trick on my first pass, and we it was shallow water, I guess, and the speed felt slow. The driver wasn't getting up to speed, so I was already nervous, and that made it worse. I still <laughs> stuck my combo um, and whatnot, but, I mean, I was competing against the best in the world at the time, and I was just kick, you know, just the tip of the iceberg of ability at that time. It was 1995. Um, I was sponsored at the time, but I wasn't riding at the level that, you know, they were. I never did. Um, close, but never did i mean i think the one time i beat billy rossini when he didn't have his best run was pretty dope but uh, <laughs> yeah he yeah. Fall right away or in the middle of his run no i mean we were i had a pretty pretty solid run um but he fell you know mid mid late pass both times and i think i fell mid late pass first and stuck my second pass so it was just edging out and I think the thing that bothered me most uh, when competing was if I beat someone because they fell. Yeah. It felt like a gimme. That didn't yeah. kill me. Like you didn't feel like you earned it or something like that. Like it wasn't like. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's everything. That's, yeah. that's every competition is who stands up, whatever it is. Exactly. Anybody can go down at any time. And like, that's like, like, you know, from like flip out, that's probably one of like the most common things where like, the best of the best like in the world will like fall on a back roll. And then <laughs> the, the, the guy that just learned it last week might stomp all like five of them or something like that. So it's like, you know, you never know. Yeah. You, um, I, I met you, I guess was at that North Carolina tournament when, uh, so, right. The one that Spencer went to. Yeah. That was the Ryder cup, uh, qualifier or, or the nationals, whatever it was that, uh, yeah, I think it was qualifier. yeah. Um, that was a good time. whatever it was, it was fun. Um, 
that's one of the best locations for a tournament. The the pro tour used to go by there, and you've got such a great spot to look, and it is definitely um. I had, I had practiced maybe six times out of 11 years and they were all like right before then. So I was feeling pretty good. I thought I might be on back into it a little bit. Yeah. And it just started hurting every day. And I remembered why at 22, 24, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it anymore. <laughs> I remember back in those days, it was a uh, kneeboard world and the team Carolina forums were on the internet. And those are like the two places to talk on kneeboarding. And Dave Brunt was uh, mentioning like, oh, dude, Shannon, the Cannon Griffin is going to yeah. be like, he was talking you up. And I was just like hyped because I was, you know, I heard so much about you. And I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to watch this guy ride. And you blew me away, man. You like, Sorry about that. If somebody's oh, good. first time somebody's uh, ever had a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. That was on mute, too. So I don't, I don't know what happened. All good. All good in the hood. Oh, my bad, dude. Um, yeah, I think uh as with certain groups I've ran into, I think legend is a little a little more um exaggerated than <laughs> the person. Um so I, I didn't really I'm glad I didn't realize I had any hype to live up to. That was that would have probably made it a little more nerve-wracking. You lived up to my hype. I was stoked for you. I know you were like you were better than like I would say you on a contest scene, like you've always been better than me. So I'm like I watched well, you I, run, and I was like I'm all about it. Like you got me stoked. I'm a contest rider. I'm not even a freestyle rider, really. Um, I never could go as large as you guys do. Um, possibly because I'm bigger and <laughs> gravity comes <laughs> in the play. Um, I you know, I didn't go small, but I couldn't go as big as you guys go. And um, so I focused on you know two 20-second trick passes and knowing what I had to put down. You know, I could I can trick four or five grand in my sleep. Um but I never took those risks to break records. Yeah. And that's, that's something I kind of regret, but doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. one way or another. I mean, it, it doesn't matter at all. I mean, you win a contest and it's like for what is it? Like maybe a year it's like, woo, I won the contest, but like there's the next contest and it's not like you win any money or like anything oh, crazy. Yeah. You don't get like sponsorship deals or anything with the contest. It's like, Hey, I got it. <laughs> so it's back, yeah, back then it, it kind of made more of a difference of uh, how many contests you won your standings. You could put those in, but there were also 10, 10 contests a year and you had nationals that you had to qualify for that were pretty solid qualifications to get there. Yeah, And that seems to have changed. I know in, in order to get more people into the sport, it changed, but it seems like it drove more people out. Um, it seemed more like a wreck competition rather than a serious event anymore. And I, and I think a lot of people just found out that it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, start going as big as you possibly can all the time. Uh, cable's not as bad. It feels like you fall slower. Um, it still yeah. hurts, but not as bad as boat. Uh, so I how, how, are you, how are you doing like uh health wise i mean you're not a spring chicken anymore that was 10 <laughs> 11 years ago when we first met or so yeah man like health wise everything's good you know i uh recently went behind a friend's boat and like sent as hard as i could kind of like we did at uh the thigh high contest and i literally couldn't land anything because i was going too big and i was just getting mm -hmm. destroyed out there so <laughs> My, my back's a little bit aching, but I'm like, okay, I'm just like 
we're right now over at uh, I'm at Ted's house right now, um, and we're we've been doing like photo shoots and stuff. But I've just been kind of taking it easy, and since there's cameras on me, I'm just like, okay, I don't need to do phenomenal tricks. You know, I can do like literally basic stuff. And for me, like it's like okay, at least I can like do all these basic stuff, have the footage, and I can like use this to like post on YouTube and post tutorials and like get you know, young and stoked on it. Cause you know, I, I get tons of messages all the time. Like people going like, Oh, how do you do this? How do you do this? What do you do next? So I'm like, okay, like this is probably more important than me just sending as big as I possibly can just for myself. It's, um, it's neat to watch your stuff, man. It looks like you're genuinely having fun. And I think that's the infectious thing about your personality in the sport. Um, even though you're a solid competitor and I mean, you can go out there and crush it. You're an approachable guy that tends to include everyone, which is pretty amazing. Thank uh, you. I really appreciate it. I feel the same way with you. Like, no, I'm not that guy. <laughs> you're, you're, you're definitely that approachable guy. Like, it, you're fun to hang out with. You're fun to like tell jokes with or just nerd out on like conversations and stuff. Yeah. So, like, you're definitely that guy. It's, um, it is, but I'm also a, a bit of a provocateur. I, and it's mostly for humor for me because I got a dark sense of humor and I really, really like messing with people. <laughs> and I come from a long line of dudes that really, really take dumps on each other. Um, and I, I have to understand that people aren't always like that to each other. Yeah. And I can tell because as soon as I throw out a joke and it doesn't hit, I can tell how bad it offends some people. <laughs> Um, I had a situation <laughs> at work not too awful long ago, um, where a gentleman was getting ready to buy a boat. Um, he had a boat. We want, he wanted to order one. So we custom ordered it and he gets there and he doesn't want to put a deposit down. He has to sell his boat first. Something he could have been thinking about for the last two months. Yeah. Um, and he's like, well, my, my wife's not going to let me have two boat payments. And I was just dorking around with him because we've, had a banter back and forth. We talked about being bouncers at various bars and bar fights and things that we've done in the past that a little unsavory behavior, but whatever. And uh, I was just picking with him. I was like, Hey man, ask your wife to get your balls out of the crown Royal bag that's on the mantle and make a decision for yourself and <laughs> smiled at him. But undoubtedly that hit a nerve because maybe she is the boss amongst them. <laughs> And um, he doesn't want other people to know that, but that dude got pissed and oh, he didn't no. work with me anymore. He said, I don't want to deal with him anymore. And that was offensive to me. It pissed me off. And um, did, did he like try to apologize and he just wasn't taking it <laughs> or is off, it just bro I, offhanded? I mean, I yeah. sort of, and this, this apology I think is probably a summation of my personality. I went up to the guy. I was like, Hey man, I'm not going to apologize for what I said because it's blatantly a joke. I know your testicles are not in a felt bag <laughs> on a mantle. It was a joke. Yeah. You know, we've been joking in the past. I'm going to apologize for thinking our friendship was at a different level than it was. Yeah. I won't joke with you anymore. You yeah. know, it was, <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry if it offended you. I'm not going to change my sense of humor. I'm not going to change my personality. I'm, I'm sure that was over the line. My bad. Yeah. But it was a joke. And based on our previous conversations, I thought that that would have been within the realm because it was what we've talked about in the past. I'm sorry if it offended you. Um, but 
I'm, I'm probably not going to change very much of that. <laughs> so like, it's, probably, it's probably best. <laughs> I love that because like, it, it's just like, I love banter. I love like friends picking on friends and whatnot. Like, I don't know if you've ever been this in this scenario, but I personally have, and I felt weird about it. I remember hanging out with like being a kid and like hanging out with a new group of friends, a, a bunch of kids that like kind of moved over onto uh, my lake at the time. So they live like right down the street. I'm like, oh, these are new kids to hang out with. So I'm hanging out with them. And then like, they were like picking on each other. And like, I felt kind of weird. Cause I was like, oh man, I wish they would pick on me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't have anything that they could pick on me about. Like, yeah. oh man, like I, I think when you can like banter and like pick on your friends and stuff, I feel like you care about those people more. So I don't know. Yeah, bro. You, I mean, it, it doesn't matter even if it's real amongst my group of dudes they'll make something up and you're like, dude, I don't even do that. And then, <laughs> and then you find out. They of course find you don't. Out. Yeah. And then it just, it gets even worse. Cause then you get known as the dude who does something that you don't even do, but they say it because they think it annoys you and it does annoy you because you don't do it. You didn't earn it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, all my nicknames are like that. Uh, and I've got different nicknames for various groups of people. Um, how many, how many uh, nicknames do you have? Well, the ones that have stuck, I have three. Um, Shannon the Cannon came from Rick Bradshaw. And I think he was like you. He was just rhyming something. Um, <laughs> there's a Shannon the Cannon that's an amazing boxer. Uh, he's a he's a pretty awesome boxer that I found out since. So I really couldn't trademark it or anything. Um, but he would call me that just because it rhymed, I guess. And then it stuck. And then people just started calling me Cannon which just sounds pretty cool. Um, I think one of the funniest things that happened, uh, we were at a HO photo shoot and uh, it was me, Dave Jennings and uh, Brandon Bivens uh, at the time we were shooting probably 1999, 2000, somewhere in that range. And one of the models in the boat, she said, so why do they call you the cannon? <laughs> With a smile. I was like, I 100% think that you're thinking something way cooler than it is. So we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, then there's another one that is, is Poon, P O O N. Um, and that's from my Raleigh crew that I used to ride with around 2000, 2001. And everybody, I, dude, I don't even know the real names of half of those guys. Out of that crew, there was Booger, Spanky, Slow Mo, Big K. Baywatch, um, those are the ones that stand out the most. Oh uh, Alejandro, God. there was an Alejandro, and I don't know his name either. Um, <laughs> I know like three of them's real names, and um, they all got random nicknames. But mine was Hoon, like from Shannon Hoon from Blind Melon. They were calling me Hoon, um, and I was putting my wakeboard bindings on, and I was on the back of the boat, and I'm looking down. I'm just strapping my the the laces down. And uh, he's like, Hoon, you ready? And his girlfriend says, did you just call him Poon? And I stopped because I knew right then it stuck. And dude, they call me Poon. Uh, so, and that sounds like it could be a well-earned nickname, but that's that's the whole story behind it. Oh, you, you can't not call you that. If someone <laughs> <laughs> and the other one is Nux, like Knuckles. Um, and that was from my buddies in Greenville, North Carolina, when I was with Monster Energy uh, working there. And those guys, it was there was a janky, janky ramp, and we were BMX riding, and they were jump, they were trying to jump it, and it was pretty sketchy. It wasn't real big, but it has a hole in the middle of it. 
Look. I'm not skilled enough to not hit that hole on a BMX bike. And I'm like, dude, I'm not jumping that. So they started calling me um, <laughs> Moose Knuckle. And then they it got shortened to Knuckles. Then they got shortened to Knucks, which sounds like a tough name. But no, it was because I was not going to jump a ramp that I was too yeah. <laughs> So Knucks sounds cool, but it's, yeah. it's <laughs> it sounds like a compliment. Like, oh, dude, that's Knucks over there. Like, like oh, dude, that guy, <laughs> that no, guy over there. <laughs> Which, which is even funnier because if somebody thinks that and everybody else in the nose, like, ha ha, they yeah. don't know. So, <laughs> <Win>. <laughs> yeah. so it's like those subtle jabs that come about that are amazing. Um, did you pick up any nicknames in your, uh, your run? So for me, like hailstorm was like an obvious choice. It's like mm -hmm. for my last name, John Hale. So people go, Oh, hailstorm. That's a very common one. Um, when I was in high school, um, I remember we used to play like backyard football, just like tag all the time. And whenever like someone would toss me the ball, like I tend to catch it. So they would call me Allstate because when you throw the ball, it was always in good hands. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then if I was ever doing bad on any given day, they'd be like, Oh, we're gonna we're gonna start calling you State Farm because uh, State Farm sucks. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, dude. So, so you got uh I've seen that you got your hat on right now. Um, you've got shirts that are getting pressed up. How can people get a hold of some of that gear? Um, anybody that's interested, you can go to www.wakesteez.com and you can find hats, mugs, t-shirts, all kinds of various uh, equipment or apparel with uh, rhymes all over them with various rhymes, different colors. So, yeah. How long have you, uh, when did you launch that? I launched it. I want to say uh, a couple months ago. Uh, I want to say maybe three months ago, and I just got my videos up. Like I've been trying to put my videos up recently, but we recently announced our grand opening, like maybe a week or two ago. So, brand wow. new. Nice, dude. That's awesome. I, I like it. It's uh, it fits your personality. The stuff you bring to the sport. It's it's kind of like the the John Hill signature on it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Everything. <laughs> I try to make a rhyme every time. <laughs> oh, day you got me again. <laughs> I like sending you some of the funny puns, dude. I find some inappropriate stuff, and I'll oh, occasionally. I, I love getting them. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, although I only send you good ones though. Um, yeah. you may have heard them, but I, I mean, top notch stuff. I don't want any of this bottom feeder stuff. Oh yeah. Like a lot of people send me like the ones that like, there'll be like a list of 10 of them and they'll just, you know, those get circulated around and I get that one a lot, but yeah. every now and then I'll, I'll see like, you'll post something to me. And I'll be like, Hey, I haven't heard that one. I'm going to save that. I'll use that <laughs> one. <later." laughs> so it's always much appreciated. Yeah, so man. Whatever puns are sent my way. <laughs> I'll try um, to punish you guys with any more of them. <laughs> no. <laughs> like ultimate dad jokes. The, uh, oh, the dad girls jokes are the best. They <laughs> are, dude. It's like just, it's like long form pun. <laughs> dad, jokes, dad jokes are the best when they become apparent. Oh, man. See, it's just, yeah. <laughs> too In much, too much. We uh, probably lost all of our subscribers, all of our views as of right now. <laughs> well, it was it was all four of the ones that ever watch and pay attention to this thing anyway right now. <laughs> maybe maybe in five or six years if it catches on really good, they'll come back and listen to these and be like, ah yeah. maybe he'll have that guy back on again and they'll be they'll be better at it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that guy won't tell any more cheesy jokes. <laughs> oh man, that's uh so how often do you get to ride? Do you ride cable like often or so for me, it's always every Wednesday afternoon. So I go in 
at 9.30 in the morning and then I work till three o'clock. And the moment I get off, um, my friend Jared Bowen, who's also a professional kneeboarder, also gets off. And then we go, okay, what's the game plan for today? We have from three o'clock till eight o'clock, which is closed to think of, all right, what are we going to be posting for next week's videos? And it could yeah. be anything. And sometimes it's just us trying a new trick or a, a random idea that I have. Maybe sometimes Jerry even comes with an, an idea every now and then. So, Wow. That's probably taxing for him. <laughs> I, like, I like giving him a hard time because he's oh, the self-professed Michael Jordan of uh of kneeboarding. So uh, anybody who makes that claim is just asking for a bunch of shit to be thrown his way. <laughs> to be fair, I think I might like I throw that term around all the time. Or like, all right, you're the wake, you're the Michael Jordan of wakeboard and the Michael Jordan of kneeboard, and I throw that to like all the athletes. So. Yeah, he's he's always great on the wake skate. <laughs> yeah, he's a talented cat, man. He um he definitely gets out there and gets after it. And you know, being a smaller guy, I mean, now he has the flowing Jesus hair, which is amazing. Yeah, I uh, love it. <laughs> um, he does an odd trick where it's almost like a laid out back roll layout. What does he call that? So, if you were a wakeboarder, they would know it as a Hintenberger, which is basically like an S bend, but in the opposite direction, like in the back roll direction. I've heard, I know Nick Sauls used to do that behind the boat and he would call it a Nick bend. And then I'm trying to remember what Jared calls it. I don't know if he calls it the J rod or if he calls it Hintenberger as well, but it's got a name. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. It looks like a, just a laid out back roll. That's just held a little bit longer um, to yeah. where you come on the laid out position. And, um, and even just watching that trick, if that's what it is, like a reverse S bend. Um, that's what it looks like, but I, you know, I know the mechanics of what he's doing. Uh, yeah. I just can't get my body to do that. Um, but when it comes to doing S bends behind the boat, have you seen anybody be able to do them better than Dave Jennings used to do there? As far as I'm concerned, I've seen a lot of people claim S bends and not, not to like trash talk any kneeboarders or anything like that, but like I go, okay, look at your S bend and look at Dave Jennings and if anyone is watching this, go, you can stop this video now and like go on YouTube real quick and type in Dave Jennings and you'll see the most insane riding you'll ever see on a kneeboard. I would claim him as the goat. And I yeah. don't think anyone has done an S-Bend like him. And I question, and I, I don't like thinking this, and I question if anyone will. I hope someone goes out there and mm -hmm. like does an S-Bend like him because I think it's like the most beautiful trick look, look there is on a kneeboard. But man... He There's was, so many, so many guys that do it halfway through perfectly, and then it breaks down at like the sixty percent mark. Yeah, and he's the only trick. Man. It's well, when I was riding with Dave, it wasn't. He says <laughs> he says it's not, and he accidentally did it. I think um, so. When he was figuring it out, he was basically doing the Vulcan the front you know, shifty front somersault to backflip, you know, which is though a lot of the ways like you do your skyscraper. That's what most people call it. Oh, I was going to say like the skyscraper. Got it. Yeah. So that's, there's only two or three guys who really do it like Dave did as well. Cause he did a front somersault shifty pulls into backflip. Mm. Amazing. And he could do it off of air. He could do it off of a bounce. Yeah. That was insane. And he did it like nothing. You know, I he see. did it on low line, no wake zip through with no jump 
and just did it off the trough on the backside. Insane. I've um, one of my friends, Doris Roner, has like shown me old video VHS tapes of him riding, and I, I just couldn't believe it. Like the small wake boats, he would be doing you know full wrap seven twenty, so the ropes wrapped around your body like an entire way around, and you're wrapping your arm around, mm -hmm. and he would just pop off seven twenties like nothing. And then skyscrapers and S bends off like the tiniest of wakes, and then triple air rolls like back roll, air roll, air roll one way, back roll, air roll the other way, and he would just pop off ten like nothing. That guy has more records and has more style than anybody on a kneeboard, in my personal opinion. His amount of rope control that he had was phenomenal. He he knew line tension, he knew board edging, and knew how. You know, all the tricks are impressive. Um, his combos are impressive. If you watch him ride, there's never slack in that line. And yeah. that's something that's almost unheard of. And for him to go as big as he does, and when he lands, doesn't bounce. He has enough control to stop the entire bounce. Yeah. And was a mad, humble dude. Um, just, well, I don't know if he was humble as much as he was quiet. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> You got to understand the North Carolina crew that I was with were loud. Um, <laughs> David McDonald is probably the loudest carryout voice ever. Like if you're within a mile, you're going to know David's around. And it's amazing because <laughs> he's like one of the most infectious personalities that you'll ever meet. Um, but to ride during that era with those guys was pretty amazing. Oh man. I could only imagine like for me, I would have been so I'm thinking 1999 when that movie came out, if I'm not mistaken. It was uh, 98 or 99. Yeah, so, somewhere in that range. I would have been, if it was 8, 98, I would have been 10 years old. And if it was 99, I would have been 11 years old. And I remember watching it and just jaw to the floor. And any anybody I show that VHS to, they're just the same way. Just like, what is going on here? I didn't know this was possible on an e-board. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. For me, like, Dave Jennings is 900 back is the best trick on an e-board period for my, my own taste. But you didn't like the Tasmanian devil, the 1080. In that video? Like, here's the thing. I think the 1080 is debatably harder. Maybe. I don't know. I've never done either trick, but for me, <laughs> yeah. like, to, to me, I think the 1080 is sketchier. And I, I personally, even though it might've been harder, I don't, I don't think it looked good. Like it was very like, it was a sloppy landing, but I understand why it's a sloppy landing. It's a 1080. Like, I'm not going to, like, yeah, <laughs> bag on you. Like, I'm not going to do a 1080. <laughs> yeah, that was Pete, Peter Perillo. He was a gymnast, and uh, I think he's doing – he's a professional um, cornhole player now. That's uh, competitive. So <laughs> I never um, would imagine, like, cornhole being, like, like a sport. Like, like people are getting paid for it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like golf to me. I just start cussing and spilling my beer when I play. <laughs> I was like very unaware of like it being known as a sport. I knew people did it like in their backyards for fun, but people were telling me like, "Oh yeah, dude, like you can go to like a professional game and they'll just like sometimes do like a perfect game, maybe two in a row." I'm just like, I don't understand like how someone could get that good at it. <laughs> well, they, they play in their backyards while they're drinking a lot. Um, yeah. Have you uh, have you ever played Beersby? Or Polish horseshoes. I don't know if that's offensive to people. Sorry for Polish people if that offends you. <laughs> um, it's a great flipping game. <laughs> what, what, what is it? I, I um, might have. So basically, it's about a five foot tall pole that a beer bottle sits on. 
and you're about 30 to 40 feet away and you throw a frisbee and the frisbee has to hit that pole to knock the bottle off if the bottle touches the ground two points if the frisbee hits the ground it's one point if they catch the frisbee there's no points and pretty much that's it you just don't let the other stuff hit yeah. uh, the ground and it's challenging and it's pretty fun um and you feel like you've done something when you either catch the bottle or you actually hit it um you know like a clean shot and just clean it off and usually the frisbee careens into somebody else's face which is the the, da- the danger part of it so awesome. <laughs> have you played it i've never played it it sounds like fun though bro it's it's way more fun than cornhole for most people uh <laughs> it just seems kind of lame at first and then you start doing it and you start getting a little bit better at it enough to get um really involved <laughs> uh, it's, it's the best backyard game and you can build a set for probably 20 bucks no way yeah and you'll probably end up wasting hours upon hours having a great <laughs> time with three other friends that's so. sick. Have to look that up i did um what was it so speaking of like cornhole and uh that game you just mentioned um during covid i was bored so i was like oh, i wonder what's on youtube and you type in like weird sports on YouTube just because you're just <laughs> yeah. trying to waste time. And I don't know. Have you ever heard of a tech ball, like T E Q ball? No, it's like the most insane sport I've ever heard of in my life. I was just like, I can't believe this is a thing. Basically what it is, is there's like a ping pong table. That's like uh curved mm-hmm. and there'll be a little like solid net. Like it's, it doesn't bend back and forth like in ping pong. And basically what people are doing is they're using their chest, their heads and their feet kind of like, you know, soccer. And they're basically playing volleyball rules. So, you know, you get like two people on each side and they can, Mm -hmm. you know, hit three times and it has to go to the other side and people are like spiking it. And this thing's going like, this is a small ping pong table and it's going like across the room when they're hitting it and people are just running it down and somehow picking it back. I'm just like, I was probably watching, I was watching like the world tour, like, you know, when uh, <laughs> I was bored, I'm like, why not? I'm like, wow, people are getting like really good money for this kind of stuff. Like it, it was blowing my mind and it was like a, a brand new sport. So. Chase. Oh, <laughs> coronavirus, man, the whole, that whole scenario, the COVID-19 thing was the best thing to happen to our industry. It really was. It's because people can get out with their families and that's the way to quarantine and everybody bought a boat. Right now, it's insane. We've got maybe three boats in inventory, and people are mad. They're calling from states away because they they don't get any. They waited to the last minute to buy a boat, and they're paying like full price. And at Malibu and Axis, both are going up ten percent next year. Uh, yeah. I think the whole industry is doing that, and it's already very expensive. Yeah. I, I, I will tell I will talk about that all day long, either one, you know, how good it is for the industry or how it's already too expensive to buy a boat. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it because my when quarantine like COVID happened, I'm like, oh, okay, like this is gonna be bad for I thought it was gonna be across the board, like the entire economy for everybody. I'm like, okay, this is gonna be bad for everybody. And I couldn't believe like how many people were buying vests and, you know, boards and of all varieties. Like I was, you know, literally I, I know people like that have warehouses that are just like completely blown out. And the moment they get them in, they're gone again. Like they're just constantly sold out. And now people are on unemployment and now they're like trying to get those people working back in factories again. They're getting paid better 
to not work. Employment. So it's like they're having trouble getting stuff made and then having trouble getting back to, towards the warehouse. That sounds like a conspiracy theory, Mr. John. I'm all about that. I, th- I think uh, <laughs> the wake industry started COVID. <laughs> right, that's what it is. It is. <laughs> no, but the, um, you know, there's tons of um, people. I think it's a, it's a, you know, where people start choosing sides and there's, there's one side of the spectrum there that thinks that, um, that it, that's not causing people to not go back to work, that the extra unemployment benefits where they're making more money to not work. It just doesn't, you know, it doesn't make any sense why that they would think that that's not part of it. Yeah. I mean, if you're making, if you're waiting tables, you know, you're making $2 and something an hour, depending on which state you are, or where you are. Um, those restaurants aren't full. You're probably averaging more money, not waiting, not waiting tables. And they still want you to come into work. Why would you? Yeah. If you're getting paid more to stay at home, why would you go into work when it's harder and you get paid less? Well, see, that's where we get into the whole welfare system. Um, if you if you think of, let's say, somebody on welfare or these programs, and they're making six, seven hundred dollars a week, they could get a job that maybe makes eight hundred dollars a week, but they can live off six hundred and do whatever they want to whenever. Where's the incentive for them to go to work to make barely more money, and then forty plus hours of their week is tied up doing something that they hate? Yeah. Um, you know, there's, that's, that's an approach that's kind of strange. That's what's happening now with, you know, I think a lot of people just aren't going to go back to crappy jobs anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, this, well, I mean, they'll have to, but I think they've, for, they've had a year to, to rethink what they do for their livelihoods. Um, so who knows, man, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how that's going to pan out. I have no idea. Like I, I never could have imagined our world being flipped, turned upside down like this. I'm very confused as to like where it's going to go from here. Cause I feel like we're at this, like, you know, point where we're like, oh, okay, well you can stay home, get paid probably about the same amount of money, or you can go to work and get paid that amount of money. I, I don't know how you bring those people back into jobs. Like I know people are starting to, you know, raise their prices up. You know, I know, what was it? There was um, Hobby Lobby is paying like $17 an hour for, you know, jobs, which is unheard of. I'm like, oh, wow. Like they're paying that much. And well, they were paying 16 before anyway, or that's what they, they really? said. Yeah. So no way. <laughs> yeah. They, they pay very well uh, for what it is, I guess. But as long as ever, and I think they took away the 40% coupon. So maybe they can afford the, uh, that extra dollar raise for everyone. Um, but it's weird how that works. Cause like you, you take away something, you add something in like that. So it's, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of that stuff's way more nuanced than people want um, to 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 let on. Yeah, uh, there's way it's way more complicated, and people are way more complicated. And yeah. you know, I don't think people get well, either one the fair share or they get too much credit, uh, yeah. one or the other. Um, it's probably a little of both. <sighs> I don't know, man. It's, it's strange times, bro. Uh, it's, speaking of which, you're in Florida. Florida was like the first ones to be like, you know what? F it. Just let everybody do whatever they want. Let's see what happens. That's, yeah. that's the whole premise of Florida anyway. It seems. Yeah, like. it's like COVID doesn't exist in Florida, basically. <laughs> well, you know, there is you know a strong attachment to vitamin D. And then being out in the sun, you're going to produce more vitamin D, which pretty much keeps you from having severe symptoms. Yeah. Um, and it seems like all the states that were on lockdown and then like Florida where it didn't seem to care, 
they had about the same results or better in Florida. Yeah. So and what, I, was, what was the right way? <laughs> I have no idea. There's there's so many variables. I tried doing the research on it. I tried going like, okay, what is the state doing right? What is the state doing right? And like, I I can't make heads or tails of it. Everything's just confusing to me. It's like they seem to be doing everything right, but they're getting like reverse effects or vice versa mm-hmm. in different states. I'm like. I just stop paying attention to it because it doesn't personally affect me. So I'm like, uh, eh, whatever. <laughs> I think a lot of people um, have are at that point right now with almost everything. They're so sick of just hearing everybody complain to each other. And I don't, I'm sure that you've seen some of my interactions online with people. Um, oh, yeah. And they're actually the ones, those uh, tons of people kept throwing into my DMS that I needed to start a podcast. And I didn't want to go political with it. Cause I think everybody's tired of that stuff. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to call this, you know, I, and you may have heard this in some of the other podcasts, like Shannon Griffin and his amazing friends. I've got so many friends like you, they're super talented. Um, and I like, I want those people to tell their stories and let other people know what they're doing. Cause I think it's cool um, to share that. And for you to share your story and how you've got where you're at, uh, which we need to do. I think I've talked too much about some of my experiences um, uh, trying to lead you into sharing yours. Um, but um you know, I want, I want people to see like people I find interesting and really good people like yourself. I want people to, you know, delve into your content and, and follow you. Cause they're freaking hilarious. Thank you. <laughs> you're hilarious. I'm not as hilarious as you. Oh, easy. Now you're uh, just smoothing. Smooth. You know, you, you're going to maybe put all your links in there for people to find you better. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, so how, how, how long were you guys down in Florida? So they said two weeks. Um, I'm trying to remember. I actually have it written down, um, but that might take me a while to find. So I will say, if I remember this right, I want to say it was like a couple of months. Like it was just like full on, like, you know, like everything, just nothing's going on. Um, Mm -hmm. Then we slowly started trickling back into like, okay, we can, you know, lift the ban we can you know go back to work we can start doing stuff kind of slowly and now we're at a point where i'm like okay i how is it over there is it still kind of crazy over there like because everything's no nah, man it's I, mean, I was wearing a mask out in public up until about a month ago month yeah. and a half ago and then all of a sudden it was like hey it doesn't exist anymore yeah. I mean, that was kind of the mindset. I think there were enough people vaccinated where they felt comfortable. Um, I, you know, I haven't been vaccinated yet, but I'm pretty sure that I've had it already. Um, yeah. We took a trip to Seattle last year around January, late January, and we were all deathly sick. And that's kind of where it came in. So maybe we, we were the patient zero for North Carolina. I hope not. <laughs> Um, but we were, we were all sick and we stayed at home. It was one of the first times I've been sick enough to not go to work. Um, and then Misty and, uh, Zoe were both down for about a week on couch ridden, um, before everybody knew what was going on. And it was pretty terrible. Like all the symptoms were what COVID symptoms are. So we either had the flu or COVID and then Madison just got COVID tested positive for COVID about three weeks ago. Uh, and she lost her smell and taste a little bit. And that was really only her only symptom. Okay. Uh, but nobody in the house 
tested positive multiple times after the fact, just so we made sure that we wouldn't spread it to anyone else and kept her quarantined and fed her like through a little slot in the door. Like there's a <laughs> Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, but I've, you know, I've lost um, a friend I grew up with. He passed away from strokes. Um, uh, to my knowledge, that's what happened. Uh, I haven't reached out. I know a lot of people reach out to the family during that time. And it's kind of overwhelming. So it's, it, it, so it has affected some people uh, close by and um, my condolences. You know, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's real and, you know, it's definitely a problem. Um, but uh, you know, who it seems strange to I me mean, granted that it, it does have like a 99.9% .9 survival rate. When you do that small percentage, that's still hundreds of thousands of people Yeah, that could pass away. And, um, that makes it a little scary. However, it did get rid of the flu. We know that now if nobody wants the flu, you just wear masks and sanitize your hands. And um, pretty much that didn't exist at all last season. Yeah. Um, I think it was down to like a 1% of what normally would have um, people that would contract it. So um, I know now that they're, they're talking about the, the lab leak theory, um, which, you know, and I've talked about that in a podcast with a friend. Um, because it was racist to propose that. And like, if you know anything about science, that's just look into it, but that's a probability. There's a hundred percent probable. There's, there's a probability that that's, there's a solid probability. That's what happened. Yeah. But everybody's too worried about offending somebody or being, um, you know, being racist by mentioning that it came from a Wuhan lab in China, which is completely outside of being racist. It's just stating a fact, but they're afraid that people from China might get reactions against them, sanctions against them, things like that. But China covered up the SARS virus when it happened. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that when we were kids, you broke a vase, you kind of slid it under the table and hope nobody saw it. And yeah. we're probably dealing with something similar to that, which was, most likely an accident. Um, but I think the scary thing is that with the reaction that's had in public and to entire societies, that's the, that could be the next type of warfare. And that's scary. Yeah. Uh, like, it, can sh it shut down a world economy. Yeah. Just send the flu over and, you know, that'd be like in a lot of ways, pretty bad. Like in some ways, probably worse than, you know, a lot of the ways people are attacking us now. Or trying to yeah i know the thing that struck me as odd when this coronavirus came out is the run on toilet paper <laughs> yeah, bro i was i was really concerned i was thinking to myself that okay does this give you like violent shits because it, <laughs> I mean, everyone is getting all the toilet paper how bad is it are you just like sneezing and then all of a sudden it's like chocolate fudge bars just protrude out of your pants you know yeah. <laughs> luckily that didn't happen so I work at a grocery store. So when I first blew up when the emergency, you know, came out and everyone started going to the store, it felt like a bomb went off. Like I had never, I've, I've worked for many, many years, 15 years at uh, the grocery store that I work at. And I've been through hurricanes after hurricanes and you see people panic, but I've never seen anything like this. Like just shelves just bare, like across the board, especially toilet paper. I was like, oh, okay, well, We'll get new toilet paper tomorrow, but it's worldwide, so we can't ship it in from anywhere. Everyone's low and short on uh, toilet paper. And I couldn't grasp it either. And it took me a really long time to like, try and understand like why toilet paper. And it, 
it, it kind of makes sense. Uh, somebody explained it to me. It's like, okay, well, you can only fit so much toilet paper like on an aisle. Like how many cans of soup can you fit on an aisle? A lot more. Like they're yeah. small, they're compact. You can fit a lot more of those on a truck. You could put a truck full of toilet paper, an entire truck full, put it on the aisle. That gets wrecked. You put it more out, gets wrecked, gets wrecked. And it's so easy for it to go because it's such large products. It mm -hmm. made sense in my head. I'm like, that makes so much sense. I You'll put 20 pack or 100 packages out and then they're immediately gone. They take up so much space. So it's really jolting when you see that empty aisle. But And then really panic people. more because of that. And then they're making videos and then more people are buying, panic buying. Bro, we got down to some, uh, we went uh, hiking and we ran across a Dollar General and they had some toilet paper in the back. So we're in this rural part of town. And that is the worst toilet paper ever. You might as well just wipe your butt with your hand. Like, <laughs> unless you got like 30 wraps around your hand, that's what's happening. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, it was pretty, uh, it was like those, those. Um, I guess the texture of like a Listerine strip, you put it in your mouth and it dissolves. That's what it seemed like it did when you used it. Little so, crap happens. <laughs> uh, exactly. But, um, I think it drove a lot of people outside, man. And I think that's going to help hopefully help um, bring more people into water sports and outdoor activities. Have you yeah. seen an increase at OWC of people riding cable or is it about the same? Maybe it's just my imagination, but just me as a spectator looking at it, I feel like there's a lot more people out on the water than there normally are, which I'm very happy about. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, I think it's really good for the sport. I know that because like we're doing so well, like across the board and all the water sports industries, like there's, Sponsors that originally pulled out of wakeboarding and kneeboarding that are like coming back in, like Red Bulls going like, well, they're not sponsored kneeboarding, but they're mm -hmm. coming back into wakeboard and they're like, oh, okay, let's, you know, build Gunther Oka rail. Let's, you know, start sponsoring athletes. Like they're, it's kind of reinvigorated the sport, which it's kind of a weird thing to be thankful for COVID. But I'm like, hey, right. thanks COVID. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I think kneeboarding, I think wakeboarding has hit, the, the same situation that kneeboarding did a long time ago. Um, kneeboarding was kind of the first freestyle kid on the block where you were doing a lot of different flips relative to trick skis. Um, but whoever that one guy was that rode for radar that was at the, that was on the same lake where we we're doing that O'Brien photo shoot, that dude was doing insane stuff on a trick ski. Um, yeah. he was doing like that back to back weird mob thing that he had made up both sides. Like it was nobody's business. Like he, like it was like me walking. I mean, I'm having trouble, but I get it. Uh, <laughs> hey, um, you know, so it's, it's kind of three events pretty much dead. There's a, there's still a few people, there's a few people at barefoot. Um, all the money got sucked out, put into wakeboarding. Um, I think wakeboarding has always had a hard time trying to figure out what it is. Yeah. Um, Cause it's always wanted to be. At first it was trick skiing, but bigger. And then it went to more of a snowboarding skate style, but then you're emulating another sport instead of its own sport. Um, and then it, it, park riding is a lot more like snowboard park riding, uh, mm -hmm. even down to most of the tricks and how they look, um, which is cool. But do you think that hurts it? You know? So I, pers I personally don't. I, I weirdly think like, we may not want to admit it. And I actually made a meme about this recently. I think we're all kind of copying something uh, like yeah. when skateboarding came out their first thing they were like, they're like, Oh, well we're doing this to copy surfers. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, 
now surfers are more so copying skateboarders now because that's the cool thing. But then like snowboarding came around and their whole thing was like, oh, okay, let's, you know, we're, we're basically copying what skiers are doing, but kind of like a skate skateboard mentality. Mm-hmm. So then that happened. And then wakeboarding came around and they're like, Hey, this is kind of like surfing and skiing. And then it's taken more of a, you know, snowboard skate, you know, skate style. And I, I think it's kind of good for the sport. I think it's good for all sports to kind of like take inspiration from like other sports and you can call it copying. And I kind of did in my meme, it's like a joke, but yeah. you know, I, I think it's kind of good to kind of look at what other sports are doing and go like, Hey, like that's kind of cool where they're doing. I wonder if I can do that in my sport, you know, or vice versa, or just do your own thing if you want to. Yeah. That's, I think the crossover appeal of wakeboarding is where it comes in. You can, instead of freezing your nuts off and snowboarding, you're actually out in warm water. No, oh, yeah. Uh, well, usually, I mean, he got guys like Tom that probably start riding early in the year when it's very uncomfortable for everyone else. Um, you're a Florida boy. You're just you get warm water all year round, and your winters yeah. are just mild springs for yeah, us. It's, 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 it's like a week of cold, and we're we will complain about it being in Florida, and we'll complain about it if it's not 90 degrees or 100. We're like, oh, it's 70. It's so cold. Yeah, but you get to Florida in the summertime, and I don't know how you guys deal with it. That's <laughs> well, I mean, North Carolina is pretty bad too. It's real stagnant air, and it's so hot and humid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's just something different about Florida heat. You're just like, I'm about to spontaneously combust right now. (laughs) I'm sizzling. Somebody put me out. Yeah. Sometimes Um, like it'll be so hot out. Like you'll be like, Oh, I just want to like get wet and cool down. And then you, you crash purposely or let go of the rope and then you get in the water. You're like, Oh, it's hot here too. Like there's no escaping it. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a lake here that uh, is blues Creek and it, um, or blues Lake. And it has a, a power plant and that injects hot water into the area. Um, so the water stays warmer longer, but uh, we did an event up there a couple summers ago and I jumped in the water and the only way I could tell I was in the water was pressure on my skin. It was the exact same as the <laughs> thousand degree sun temperature that was outside. Oh, so that's brutal. <laughs> yeah. Like I just jumped into pee. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, that's great stuff. Uh, so, what do you what are you working on now? Are you working on any new tricks out at the park? Um, trying to think here. What am I working on? New tricks? I've got a lot of new tricks in mind. I kind of mm-hmm. don't want to say them just because, like, uh-huh. if I if I say them, people are like, "Oh, John, where is that trick? I know you said it on." Shannon Griffin's podcast. So I'm expecting his <laughs> own. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of tricks in my head. A lot, a lot of like rail tricks that I want to try and do. And a lot of like kicker or wake tricks that I want to do. And I think like what I'm going to do is just like, I have them in my head. I should probably write them down and just go like, okay, let, let's see what I can do on this. Um, but um, try and do, I will say this because who cares? Like I am trying to do a backside big spin on a kneeboard, which is like the skateboard style, like basically copying wake skating or skateboarding. That one I don't really care if anyone calls me out on because I don't think you're copying. I mean, your 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 body positions. I mean, you're the trick rotation and concept maybe, but yeah. your your body position is totally different and the board's completely different. Yeah, that's where you run into the problems. Like a kickflip on a kneeboard would be extra dope, but that's so much freaking harder. Yeah. I've, I've tried finger flips and I don't know if that's possible, but I want to believe it is. I just like, 
I just I grab the foot loop and just push down on it and it just goes flying. And sometimes it's close and sometimes it's a mile away. And I don't know how, like, I, I feel like I'm doing the exact same trick and it's different scenarios mm-hmm. every time. I I think one of your best approaches to that, maybe a straight on shot where you grab the nose to flip it and you use your foot to kick the backside as you guide it around and in front of you. But however, that's going to make for some interesting falls because you'll probably catch that board in the chin a couple of times. I, I'm more so worried about like keeping my legs close together. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> You don't want to get credit carded with that thing. Oh, yeah. Like a, a thick wake skate was pretty bad. Like I've never had that happen, but I can imagine those thin, sharp edges on an e-board would hurt so bad. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've, I've seen some crazy falls. Um did you ever you never got to ride with the with Chris and Todd Crutchfield, the twins? Unfortunately, no. Have I've, I've heard, heard stories about them. I've heard how good they are. They're just they're legends. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the severity of their crashes at tournaments was what made them famous. <laughs> and they're great riders. No, don't get me wrong. They could do some form or variation of every trick. Um but could they put it together and run was different, but to see those guys pull out of some of the craziest crashes. Um, I saw Todd do a backwards back somersault where he landed so far backwards, his shoulders touched the water facing the boat <laughs> and he stood right back up and was riding backwards. Still like the edge didn't catch <laughs> So he just like did a sit up backwards. <laughs> yeah. So he just, he's, he's, his back's facing the boat, his head and shoulders hit the water oh. and then he slowly sits back up and then he <laughs> turns and looks at the boat and smiles. Oh you know, like, man. Come on, man. I would hate to see that. Oh man. That's insane. There's video of it somewhere. I think maybe David McDonald had it or there's racks of VHS tapes that exist somewhere with all those falls <laughs> um again todd did a front somersault over rotated face planted landed on his chest and did not let go fought it out one-handed oh. rolled over and pulled out of it and skied away like I, I gotta give props to those guys like that sounds so painful i would have just been like well, that's it. <laughs> Legendary, bro. Like you see it and it, it that's like David McDonald, he was their biggest fan. He you should let if you ever run into him, just have him tell you some of the stories of the stuff he's seen. Um because <laughs> he's real animated about it. Loved it. You know, he's a, he's a grandpa now actually. He they just had a kid. Uh, uh congratulations, David. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a uh, <laughs> He's he's actually the boombox grandpa for sure now. Uh, Bumpbox, sorry, I don't want to. I don't that product that he's he's pushing is pretty dope. Uh, those are really loud bump boxes. Um, but yeah, he uh, and I think Chris uh, did one of the weirdest things. He did a, I don't know if he grabbed it, but he did a, a Rayleigh on the kneeboard layout. And when he pulled it back in, the board came off, but he landed back on the board, sitting with his feet forward, and then tucked his feet back in and kept riding. Wait, Crazy. so the board came off. Like, it, did it just go straight out in front of him and then he caught yep. it? Or? He went straight out in front of him and landed on his butt on it <laughs> with his feet forward. <laughs> it was, and the crazy thing is, is those things sound, they sound amazing because they are. 
but yeah. it happened way too many times in their presence. So it's not like a fluke thing. It was some weird gift that they had, which I wish that, uh, I mean, this stuff's probably degraded and so grainy if we can find it, but there's some of the best crashes of all times that were not really crashes, I guess. Uh, just variations of not killing yourself. <laughs> I would pay to see that. Like one of my favorite, like, crashes which was like a right away was uh darren shapiro doing a double front uh flip or a speedball off a double up and mm -hmm. like literally just goes to his back legs come up one leg comes out flying up in the air i'm like oh man like this is a good way to like destroy your leg like any normal human being would let go of the rope and he just gets his foot back on and tumble turns out of it i'm like okay or that <laughs> that was was that off of a double up yeah it's off a double up yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that footage. That's pretty amazing. Ridiculous. Uh, hey, um, so do you know what an X-Mobe is? Yes, an X-Mobe is a Switch Pete Rose. Right? Is it? Wait, wait. Give me a second. Because a Pete Rose is uh, just a Switch uh, toe side back roll mobe. I think it is. I think, unless I'm mistaken. Am I mistaken on that? I think it's Switch Pete Rose. It could be because a Pete Rose is basically just a toe side back roll mode with a grab. Yeah. Which everybody who does not know what any of this is are like, I don't know what the hell they just Oh said. yeah, there's there's a lot of people <laughs> that are logging off right now just like, oh, they're they're talking about wakeboard tricks. Anyone that yeah. <laughs> wakeboard <laughs> tricks are so stupid and I've made an entire series on it. It's so dumb how dumb they are. And I've I've heard people like talk to me like, Can we start this over? <laughs> can it can <laughs> and I, I the only way i think we can start this over is if sean murray goes like okay guys yeah wake work trick names are stupid we should start over <laughs> right. they've, they've been stupid since day one but they really came from snowboarding a lot of the like the grab names being like chicken salad and yeah. so like uh, stale fish. I, I, I will justify like i'll justify like rail tricks because that's what snowboarders use and snowboarders use skateboard and like there's like a clean history of it mm -hmm. so I'll go like rail moves got it, grabs got it. These flipping and like basically any of the acrobatic like aerials, just like okay, there's three different kind of back rolls. There's toe side back roll, there's heel side Mexican roll back roll, and then there's standard back roll. I'm like, I'm like I don't think you can say that anymore. <laughs> Mexican roll, sorry, <laughs> didn't mean to be offensive. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can say that anymore. Oh, We're gonna no. get demonetized, or, or, or is it back roll? Is that the bad word? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was just a roll part. I mean, because people, you know, I've got extra rolls. It, it might offend somebody that's fat, or is that <laughs> even allowed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's uh, overweight. <laughs> I don't even understand why that's even called a Mexican back roll because I, I don't know anything Mexican about it. But they're flipping fun. Uh, uh, hey, see, I didn't mean to do that. I just shut up first because we can keep this a little cleaner for um, you because I, I dropped too many F bombs. Uh, my grandmother would not be proud of me. Um, <laughs> but doing Mexican back rolls are really the, about the only way you can do roll to blinds. And um, they're pretty fun because um, it just feels so stinking weird. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's kind of the way you do them off of the, the kickers anyway, right? Yeah, that's so, the way. You can throw it like a standard back roll, which is end over end over the tail. I'm personally more of a Mexican back roll guy myself. Mm -hmm. But I think behind the boat, it's different because of the way that you can edge up the wake, but off the kicker. Yeah, it's, it's a lot harder to go end over end, I feel like, off, off a kicker, like over your tail. But like I agree, it's way easier to do it on a boat. Yeah, it's um, that's pretty amazing, man. I uh, 
I've seen your writing and I've seen you progress in your writing in both sports. And it's pretty amazing. You've, you've got a lot of law hours logged in and it shows uh, just with the ease of what you're doing and you're making it fun and you're making it fun for everybody, man. So that's Thanks, kudos man. to you. Um, I think that's good for the sport. You're probably, um, I'd probably say you're one of the best advocates for the sport right now, which is awesome. And thank you so much. You know, I've seen, I've seen the, advocates of the sport i've seen the best pro riders and i, th I think it's hard pressed to find anybody that would that seems to be more fun to be around than you are when you're riding yeah thanks man i really appreciate that yeah i think maybe kent harshwin would give you a run for your money he's an underappreciated oh, pro rider. he really is like i will say like kent harshwin is a legend i like i really miss like watching that guy ride i don't know if he's still kneeboards but like it was always a ple pleasure watching him shred mm -hmm. Just he, to me, he's the last great pro rider. Um, I agree. 22nd pass, even freestyle. Um, he's the last of that era that kept it up. Yeah. Um, I mean, you guys are all riders. Yes. Um, yeah. but that era died with him sort of, because mm. you guys don't do 22nd trick pass rides anymore. Yeah. Uh, you guys really focus on freestyle, which is way more entertaining to watch. Uh, it's technical, but not as technical as 20 second because everything has to flow. Yeah. Um, but freestyle riding is where it's at. It's the only way it's going to progress. But, you know, there there was kind of, it's like wake, it's ski borders and wake borders. When that happened, it, there was kind of a divide there. And you had guys that were good at both. Like Kent was really good at both. Billy Rossini was amazing at both. Um, Jonathan, um, David, all those dudes. Um but you guys are still carrying the torch to have big air stuff and you're in your thirties, bro. I more power to you. It's, it's rough, man. Thirties. Yeah, and when you hit 40, Oh dude, it's like, it's like, I'm already starting to like tone things down a little bit. Like, okay, maybe I'm going a little too hard. You know, when I do go hard, I need to go like, okay, let's use it for good, good reasons. Let's not just do it just for fun on a random day. Like, yeah. But yeah. Like, I'm definitely feeling it and definitely doing like a lot of running. I'm doing a lot of yoga, like just trying to keep my back just strong. Like it's That's that cool. and flexibility. Uh, flexibility and back strong is good, but you still got a lot of that compression that happens. Oh, when yeah. That's just terrible for your back. Yeah, and it is. And I'm going to start uh, getting, start using Spencer's seat pad. Cause I generally don't ever use a seat. Mm -hmm. And I'm like getting to that age where I'm like, Okay, I'm definitely going to start using a seat if I want to like stay in the sport, and I do. So, <laughs> yeah, more power to you, man. I, I'm I'm surprised that Spencer uh, still rides too. I don't know how much pain he's in, but he goes really large as well. And maybe it's because he's a smaller guy that it's not really just wrecking him. Um, but he's carried it on way much longer than I would could have ever thought of doing so. That guy is insane. Like he undeniably like biggest front flip I've ever seen on a kneeboard from that guy. Like, and I think he actually like, I want to say a year ago, he goes to uh, this like big air event that's mm -hmm. on one of his legs or whatever. And I guess he uh, broke, broke his, broke his ribs if I'm not mistaken on that. So I think he's just now starting to heal back up and trying to get back into it. If I'm not mistaken. He, um, yeah, he, uh, I did uh, his graphics for one of his jet skis and we, we finished up one of his custom, uh, works not too awful long ago. Um, but he's, he definitely progressed quite a bit since I 
made that little bit of a comeback and then was like, ah, no, nah, you got, you guys keep this. It's good. You guys have it. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> uh, and to see his progression, even from that time to now is pretty amazing. Yeah. And I will say, like one of my favorite things about him was, uh, when we were all hanging out at, um, his, his lake house mm-hmm. and there was a, uh, ricochet kneeboard just lying around. Rico shit. Yeah. I, I don't know who said, it. I can't remember. You could probably tell the story better than I can, but I remember someone looked over and the way the ricochet was spelled, it was like Rico and Chet on the bottom. And someone was like, who's Rico Chet? <laughs> and we just started laughing and it was like off branded, like a, uh, what is it? Uh, like an, alter ego for Spencer Leggett where he's just the redneck. <laughs> like, Oh, I'm Rico. Chet. <laughs> I I would like to think that that was me. I, for some reason think that I, I pointed that out and then everybody really jumped on it. So then it became everybody's thing. Um, but I, I don't know. Maybe that's a false memory. Yeah. I can't remember. Uh, but, Spencer, but it was amazing. Please start a YouTube channel called Rico chat. <laughs> Cause he was in all the pictures, all the pictures with the Rico chat board. And that was, that was great. It was so, so good. <laughs> and Danny, uh, Danny riding well, you know, well, and he was, he was, was he in his forties at that time? I want to say so if I'm not mistaken. And He's another still- guy killing it in well into older than you would normally think is Gabe Grissom. He's yeah. still rides. the Gabe Grissom. <laughs> yeah. He's uh he kills it too, man. He, uh, He's a, he's a really talented rider. I know that he, when I was with, I was with Overton's, uh, I think I got picked up by Overton's when I was coming back into riding. And I, I feel like I might've bumped his spot sort of when they were going to, you know, do a knee border. And that kind of sucks. Cause he rode for them for quite some time when I was not part of it. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I don't think it, I mean, what, what did it hurt? Uh, you know, it, it's maybe a board a year and a sticker on the board. That's not like it, it took yeah. food out of anybody's mouth. Yeah. Um, he's not starving. <laughs> he's a, yeah. Um, and he, you know, he's a, he's a very surprising rider. Uh, yeah. When I saw him ride, I was really impressed. Um, Cause he's, he's, he's old school. And the thing that impressed me most about Gabe's riding was he kind of did it in a vacuum. You know, the, you guys that ride, you had friends you rode with. Oh, yeah. We had people to push us. Yeah, people to push you. But guys like Gabe that don't ride with people that ride at that level and you can get to that level That's is amazing to me. Yeah. I don't like, like, Unreal self-discipline. Yeah. Or is that you got to have that kind of desire? Yeah. I got lucky. I got lucky on Lake Norman. Um, I was in the, on the cove on the dock and saw Jonathan McDonald training when he had just broken like the world record or he was like number one on the tour. And he came down and he did like a triple surface roll, triple back roll combo, and then did this humongous layout. And I was like, you can do that on one of those. And that changed my whole outlook on kneeboarding. And that was my start. Yeah. Of seeing, you know, and I didn't even know who he was. And, that that's that led down that road, but it was still a long time before Jonathan and I got to know each other. Um, and I met some of the same people that helped him in the beginning, uh, Rick and uh, Debbie Bradshaw, Michael Bradshaw. Uh, they were in that cove. They lived in the cove where my grandparents had a little spot. And I started riding with those guys and Joe Barnhill, which is an obscure name I'm sure that you've never heard of. Mm-hmm. But to my understanding, the way Joe tells it, 
he taught those guys how to flip and that started them riding. So it all comes down to a Joe Barnhill. And I haven't spoken to that guy in 30 years. Um, well, probably 25 years at least. Uh, wow. But he, he, he lit a spark and I touched, I probably got eight guys in the riding that turned out to be really solid competitive riders. Um, so he touched those guys, which influenced me, which I influenced guys like Greg Cox and they became friends and we rode together all the time. And if it wasn't for those guys, I would have never accomplished anything. So who all did you ride with coming up? So for me, like I was kind of like by myself for a while. And then, um, who was it? My, uh, best friend, um, his name was Brian Norris. We would just go out and like kneeboard together. And this is, I want to say it might've been before aerosol or might, we might've just been watching aerosol. Like when we were just starting to get into it. And I remember we all used to just think like, Oh man, imagine if like one of us could like do like one of those tricks in aerosol. And like, we weren't doing even like back rolls at the time. Mm-hmm. And we just like, we would go out on the lake and we didn't know how to teach ourselves. And we would just like get pummeled and just like do half back, fl- back flips, half back rolls and just fall on our heads a million times. And then one day Brian learned how to do a back roll. And I was like, oh, I need to learn how to do this. Like <laughs> if my best friend can do this, I should be able to learn how to do this. And he helped me, you know, learn how to do that. And then right afterwards, I want to say maybe a few years after we were, I, I grew up in a small town called Lake Placid. And while I was in Lake Placid, we had this Christmas parade. So the very few businesses during the Christmas parade would come down and, you know, have their parade, whatever. And I saw a bunch of kids on these little rollers. They were basically like skateboards. I, I can't think of the, but, you know, people use them for like engineering and whatnot, you know, rolling mm-hmm. underneath trucks. But they placed kneeboards on these rollers. It's and they would creeper. Thank you. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. But they were like doing that down the street, like in Lake Placid. And my mind was blown. I'm like, there's other kneeboarders in this town of mine that like, like kneeboarding. And like, I was like, mom, dad, I have to know who these people are. Like, they, like I, they were like instantly like my best friends. I'm like, they're, you know, part of my crew. I'm meeting these people and we're going to kneeboard together. So that led to me meeting like Elisa Piper and Jared Bowen when they were both very young. And I was also very young. And then I met the Roners and they kind of got me into like competitive kneeboarding. And they're like, okay, here's, you know, how you, you know, go to a contest. And then they were like talking about worlds. And I was like, oh, wow. Imagine if I could do worlds. I think I might have actually, I think one of the first events I went to was probably like worlds, just kind of just like, I was not like competing and then just go in there like, oh, there's a kneeboard event. And it was worlds like in Lake Placid. I'm like, the, the small town, I couldn't believe it. There was kneeboards there and worlds was in my hometown. And I'm, yeah. I just got stuck on it. I was like addicted. And me, Elisa Piper, Jared Bolin, and our other friend, uh, Nick Sauls, we all were like hyped on it. And we would just all hang out at one of our houses and watch aerosol on loop till the VHS <laughs> tapes were just like exploding. Right. And, uh, yeah, it slowly grew from there. And now like I eventually meet people like you and people, you know, like Gabe and, you know, Kent Hartshorn and all, all these people kind of help like motivate me to like keep going and grow the sport and, you know, have fun. I, the thing I miss most about that generation of when I rode, um, we would, you know, we would do eight tournaments a year or so. Um, so summertime, 
every other weekend you, you were traveling. We would load up a crappy minivan that my buddies had and full of boards, four dudes, sleep in the car, camp somewhere, find somebody's sofa. I mean, we were couch rats. <laughs> I think we, uh, Joey Lawson had a spot. Uh, I don't even remember. It was in Lakeland. And I think they were, they were working on his house. And I think we crashed there one night too. It was like, you know, half construction was there and, you know, it was halfway constructed. He had his, in, in one of the rooms, he had a little kiddie pool with turtles in it. You know, it was like, it was like that kind of place. It was dope. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he was riding with Joey. Joey was pretty, he was an innovative kneeboarder. Um, I, I don't know if he, how much he wants to let people know that, but now that he's the liquid force rep and he's involved in all that, we, we, kick around some old school stories when he comes through. Um, but that was, those are fun times, man. You would not get me doing that. Now there's no way I'm sleeping on couches. I'm not motivated enough to travel that far. <laughs> Some of my best memories that I do not want to revisit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once yeah. you get a little older, the, the couch starts hurting more and more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't mind sleeping on a sofa every once in a while. And you know, we've got a, an RV van and we, it's basically like you're sleeping on a sofa, but that's kind of a, an occasional adventure. That's really convenient. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, when you guys came up, and you guys crashed at my place when we did the the project launch pad. Yeah, um, that was a good time. Um, that's as many people as my house will hold. Though then, yeah, you know, we said, Corey, you know, yeah. there, Adam Eddings. Yeah, Danny was there. Um, I think Gabe crashed there. Kent stayed at a hotel somewhere. Maybe Spencer. I don't know. That was um, such a fun event. That was fun, and uh, we've since moved to a much to a house that would accommodate more people now. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, that, that time was pretty cool. That was kind of like, a the hell Mary of my last go with anything on it. And I didn't practice. I wasn't even planning on riding and I wrote terribly, <laughs> um, but that weekend you brought back that video of you doing that front roll to blind on the down rail gap. <laughs> and that, you know, when you showed me the first video of you just doing a 180. Yeah, like Adam Eden's showing it to you, and, and it was like away from me. So I'm like watching your reaction to it. Yeah. And I see your, your reaction to it. And I just remember thinking, like, okay, that's kind of the reaction I expected. You're like, oh, I'm kind of impressed by that. Like, and I thought he was showing you the flip. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of how I felt too. And he was like, oh, but dude, wait for this. And he showed you like the flip one. Oh, yeah, dude. And that... then your eyes were just like, and I was like, oh. Really? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> not so much. I mean, the trick, you know, you and I know the basics of that trick aren't as complicated, mm. but the freaking balls you had to try it, <laughs> dude, I'm a risk taker. I love doing that stuff. I would never have tried that because I would have died. I would have shorted it or I would have overshot it. And you didn't seem to even think about that. It seemed like. <laughs> like I definitely did think about it. And it was one of those things where, I can't believe how well it was set up. It was almost made. Like it felt like Jibtopia was just like, all right, we're going to build this. So if a kneeboarder wanted to like gap <laughs> to that, it'll be perfect um, for anyone that's listening and, you know, not seeing this. Basically what it is is I'm in a pool and there's two safeties on the pool and then there's a down rail to the right. And I was just thinking like, oh, I wonder if I could hit like that inside safety if I'm edging as hard as I can and gap to the, the far rail. 
And I started like thinking about it. I'm like, okay, we drove all the way up here. So if I hurt myself, it's going to be a really long drive back. Like I have to go to the hospital. It'd be like a really big pain. I'm like, okay, let's not hurt ourselves today, John. Let's just have fun. But let's think about this. What's the worst thing that can happen if I hit as hard as I can? Well, if I hit as hard as I can, there's no way I'm undershooting and I'll, I'll land in the grass. I'm like, okay, we'll see if I can. I, I literally thought to myself, I'm like, let's see if I can purposely land in the grass and I just lean back really hard and be ready for it. So as hard, as hard as I could, as hard as I possibly could, and it literally just launched me straight up and it just placed me perfectly on that rail. Like it wasn't like I had to find the line or anything. It literally like the rope just stops there. So it put, places you perfectly on it. I'm like, that was kind of fun. I kind of want to do that again. So I did it a few times and then landed uh, like kind of a, almost a 180 onto it. I was like, oh, okay. I've got a really bad idea in my head right now. Like, Let I me, let's, let's, show this, let's show yeah. this bad idea. I've got it queued up, man. Let's see what we got here. Dude, that's amazing. Thank uh, you, Adam, brother. That was Adam Inning's uh, reaction that was just amazing, too, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really was. And Adam Innings, if you're listening to this, shout out to you, homie. Thank you for like filming with your phone. like, And thank you for driving me up there as well. It was such a fun time hanging out with you. But I literally like thought, okay, this is a bad idea, but I'm going to try it. So when sent it, and I literally like, I've, I've done a lot of tricks on the kneeboard in the past previous to this. And like, I've been pummeled a million times generally on every single one of them. There's very few tricks that like, I kind of learned fast and I literally just expected it. I was like, I'm probably going to hurt myself on this. And then I literally got a first try and I was like, this is the greatest day ever. <laughs> oh man, I can't believe I did it. <laughs> and then like, I, uh, I was like, who was it? Um, Randy Gibbs' son, Colton Gibbs, was like, oh, you're going to do it again? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he got up there, and I was like, probably shouldn't. <laughs> it's probably a bad idea. I was like, <laughs> we're not going to do it again. So, And then no, no. I got a ton of calls. I got a ton of Facebook messages because we posted it that night or the next day. And shout out to all the people that gave me love for it. Much appreciated. Dude, that was the most – I sent that to all the old school guys that were – and I'm like, dude – Look at this crazy SOB. Holy crap. <laughs> this is the most insane thing anybody's done. And everybody was on the same page of being like, this guy, that that's that's ballsy. You know, and Thank you're talking you. about the guys who went out and were doing the double back rolls, trying them. And you know, one thing I don't know if you know about this, but in aerosol behind the wake setter, the sun setter, we had to run 27 miles an hour. Oh, so fast yes you had to to because um there were three concrete troughs 600 pounds of buckshot in the nose to what i remember um you could not see the malibu logos on the side and it took a minute and a half to plane off so you had to get up you had to wait everybody had to go to the front in order to get it to plane off and then come back and to my in my mind that is still the largest wake i've ever ridden that's insane. 
but I've seen the video. I've gone back, and now you can go 21 miles an hour, keep consistent speed, and have just as large of a wake. So yeah. Um, but 27 miles an hour, bro, is humming, son. I can't even imagine. I thought I was like cooking when I was going like, oh, I'm gonna. I was very like into Randall Harris when he was in his heyday, like dropping like transgressions. And I was like big fan of the idea of doing like methods and back ones. I'm like, okay, I want to kind of ride a kneeboard at that, at that time. I was like, I want to ride a kneeboard like Randall Harris. Mm -hmm. So like we were all riding anywhere from like 18 to 20 miles an hour. So I was like, okay, let's bump it up a little bit, bump it up. And I got to like 24 and I think I might've rode maybe 25 at one point, but I was like, okay, this is as fast as I want. <laughs> like when you're going that fast, yes, you're hauling. I can't even imagine because every mile up feels way faster. At least it does for me. I'm like, I can't even imagine what 25 to 26 feels and from what 26 to 27 feels like that. The falls on that had to have hurt so bad. So bad. Um, I think it's in the outtakes. Um, it was for the Sundrop World Championships, and there's uh, the New World Order. Have you seen the New World yes, Order? Yeah, I love New World Order. I love, if I'm not mistaken, that's the one with the, the double up at the very end, and he does a some guy does a front flip, and he's like sky high, and it kind of like freeze frames. Um, yeah, and then it cuts to me cutting out towards, and I throw like the shaka, and then it it blacks out. Yeah. Um, that was the promo video for us to try to get on the X Games. Um, but the outtakes on that, I went to do a back roll and could not slow it down. I did a one and a half landed on my side. I'm there's footage of me puking off the back of the boat and everybody else has run to the front of the boat <laughs> because it was just grossing everybody out. Cause it was one of those just vomiting oh. smashes. And that was the one where Dave Jennings just split his board right down the middle. He did that. Yep, big I remember that just, it was insane. I've never seen a board break like that till I watched that video. I've never seen one since or after ever break like vertically down that way so i don't know how much truth there is to that board breaking that way for that scene i know the board folded in half those would break across the nose quite a bit um the story went that that was a messed up board anyway and they just <laughs> made that scene look that way even though he folded the nose on the other interesting but I, but I don't know if that's the case um i i broke a tail on one of those old ones straight up the um the tracking line on the bottom oh wow so it's quite feasible um but i did see a bunch of them snap i don't think i've seen anybody break more boards than uh brandon bivens yeah uh, you saw him ride you saw that's him right that's right i remember him he's yeah. the uh, 720 fronts right yeah oh. to uh his starting because he's like well man i got like six tricks and this is one of them and I got to get all of them in and I cannot do this in the middle of the run. Yeah. So he, uh, he did that one and he had a huge layout. Um, I threw a competition in on Lake Wiley and he did this huge double up layout when he landed, his board just folded underneath him. <laughs> you know, I saw that dude fold so many uh, jokers. It was insane. Did he um, fold the uh, nose or like right underneath them? Um, the nose. So it was the nose, yeah, very common. Very hard fall too. Uh, if yeah. you land way too nose heavy on your knees, it's just, um, yeah. I I wish I had that um ho video too, um, because we got there a day early, and Eddie Roberts was out, and we were filming, uh, some of the tubing videos, and I was like, hey man, I've been working on a back roll on a tube, um, 
do you want to get any of that stupid stuff? We're, we get out there and we do these stupid barrel rolls and whatnot. And he's like, yeah, we don't have any footage of anybody doing stuff like that. And because we used to just dork around and try to kill each other. And we found you could flip them back. I mean, 94, maybe. <laughs> um, I was like, we've been doing this for years. And we got out there and then we were trying to um, whip Brandon into double ups to do an air roll on the two and his fall he's completely straight upside down with his legs like this full arms out in a cross mode and dude he starts car wheeling across the water it was amazing oh man that's awesome Um, that's that's the best part about tubing and you don't see that like for like the promotional videos for like any tubing ads they're always like oh this is the family smiling, you know, are we having a good, I want to see the person off the double up. I want to see kids just rolling on a turn. <laughs> there's, uh, there's guys on YouTube that do like, prof- like tubing. I wouldn't say professional tubing, but they do all the rolls. Yeah. They do all the rolls and stuff. Oh yeah. I've, I've seen it. Like props to those guys. Like I, I c- couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, you could. It's really not as complicated, but they make it look really good. I feel like, I feel like I would get smoked on a tube trying to yeah. like that. The whole trick with tube is if you tuck your head in the hole in the middle and you hold on tight, you just skim across the water. Uh, but those guys are doing that knee bounce um, flip where they bounce off their knees and get the tube in the air to flip. Um, we did not try that approach when Brandon did it, and it was hilarious because it did not work at all. <laughs> we just got slammed into double ups at like 60 miles an hour and just got launched into the – <laughs> shallow earth orbit it felt like oh, I, I love a good tubing crash oh uh fun fact about uh tubing you know the uh prices of them have gone up due to inflation oh <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had to throw that in there if we're talking about tubing <laughs> oh and i mean it's, it's it's straight john hill that's the flavor of the day so <laughs> um so what's is there going to be a national championships this year or um, not to my oh. knowledge. Um, from my understanding, the people that organize the AKA are like struggling to like find organization around that, mm-hmm. which is kind of a shame because I know that there's people that are interested in writing contests. Myself personally, I'm not a big contest writer, but I am big into like kneeboard events. Mm-hmm. So if it's somebody that wants to compete in a contest and they're like, hey, I want to compete in a contest. I'm like, I'm down. Like if it, if it brings kneeboards together, I'm all about it. So if there's yeah. anybody watching this that, you know, is interested in a kneeboarding contest, hit me up and we'll organize something for you. Cause there's not enough kneeboarding events in general. It's basically just me and a few other guys every year that go like, Hey, do you want to meet up at a cable park? And then we'll meet up at a cable park and ride together. And then maybe a contest will happen, but you um, of us are really like contest riders. You came in at an odd time, man. You 99 was the last year that most people rode. And yeah. it was the last year that I rode. I knew a few people carried a torch. Um, uh, Michael Marchant rode for a few more years after that. And he would, Ken, Henning, Ken Hartshorn, mm-hmm. Ken, he, he did a lot of INT stuff and, you know, the work he did with kids and camps and things like that, I would pop in on some of the camps that he would do um, exhibition stuff and I would wakeboard then and he would kneeboard and, um, you know, he's done, you know, I, I, I don't think that Kent gets enough credit for as much work as he did. He was always slightly overlooked when it came to sponsorships and oh, yeah. 
Yeah, being, I, I would say that. Like, I, I think I think a lot of kneeboards are underlooked, but I think Kent was like one of those people that really was underlooked a lot. Like, he would pop off very consistently, front roll, air front roll, air front roll. Like, it was nothing. It didn't matter if it was a wake, if it was a cable. You know, if he was having an off day, he was just on point all the time. 720s back. He would yeah. – uh, he did a wake back. And then that, for people that are listening, that's basically a 180. And he would purposely land on the the other wake and just pop off a 720 off of that, like off the second bounce. Like the guy's a beast. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a great personality. He's infectious with his uh, how he interacts with people. Um, he's he's freaking hilarious to me. I, and I don't know if you know his. Um, <laughs> I mean, he got how he got his name nickname Roadkill. If if I remember right, because I remember I asked him because um, I was. He he invented the trick, the roadkill, and I knew his nickname was the roadkill. I was like, yeah. where did all this come from? And if I remember right, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't he like driving down the road, maybe with some friends or something like that, and had like his board on top of the car and it like fell off and then a car ran over it or something like that? Um, now, that could be the story the way I remember it. Uh, There's a, a character named Rusty Clover. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, he ran over Kent's board at the Florida state championships, um, at, um, at UCF. Um, so whatever that lake is right there in Lakeland, uh, that was where I think the nickname came from. Cause, uh, Rusty was, a he was like a crazy, you know, he and Dave Jennings were buddies and they partied really hard and it was amazing to have those dudes around. Um, and I think that's where he got the nickname. And then, of course, the roadkill was named after Kent. Yeah. Uh, that's such a great nickname, you know. And I, I, think I think it's, it's a perfect nickname. Like, it's really the only nickname I think. Like, yes, there's other kneeboarders with nicknames that are like, oh, yeah, that's this person. That's their nickname. I think roadkill is like the one that stands out, like, un- undeniably as the best nickname in kneeboarding. Like, I go like, yeah. oh, Kent Hartshorn? That's roadkill. Like. I wouldn't necessarily mention someone else's nickname, you know, other than Kent. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's uh, he's, you know, and he and I, cause he was in South Carolina. So he was part of team Carolina and team Carolina was pretty big uh, in the late nineties. Uh, I think pretty much team Carolina took over all of kneeboarding, even down to the organization and tournaments and whatnot. And Florida kind of dropped dropped off cause they were bigger in the early nineties, late eighties. Um, Ted might actually, since you're a Ted, you might need to ask Ted about it because Ted may know more about that than anybody else because I believe the board that he had ran over was a custom-made board that Ted had made. Really? The the, the board that was ran over, like yes. Uh, Kent's? Yes, I think it was, a, um, it was a custom-made board that I think Ted made, and he picked it up from Ted. Um, I mean, he's in, he's in the other room. I can do one of two things. We can I could ask him later, or I could just scream at him and be like, "Hey." <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't know if it would lend any more to the story right now, but I'm pretty sure that he had built that board because, I mean, Ted's like a, a master shaper. He's he's oh, yeah. ridiculously talented at everything he does, and he's great. The best of the best. I mean, to see that guy get out even surfing, he gets out and shreds. He shreds on a kneeboard like he never yeah. stopped. I like how he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take it easy. And he'll just like pop off seven backs both ways and like roll the blinds both ways. <laughs> yeah. I remember the first time I had a, ever met Ted was um, a kneeboard 
was it? It was, we were doing a fundraiser for internationals. And it, I think it might've been the first internationals that I was going to. And I was like hyped on it. I'm like, oh, cool, you know? And everyone was like talking like about Ted Bevilacqua. I'm like, I, I, at this point I had only watched Airsoft. So I was very unaware. I'm like, who's, mm-hmm. who's this guy? And then like, we both, me, him, and my friend that I mentioned earlier, Nick Sauls, we uh, rode this fundraiser, which is just, we go around Lake Redwater, which is a really small lake. And every time, like, we would get sponsors. So people would sponsor us per lap. And they would go, all the money would go towards internationals. So basically, it was just an endurance run. Boat was driving really slow, so it wasn't too easy. So we're all out there, all hanging out. And I want to say I went... 88 laps. I think Nick Sauls went like 90. And then Ted Bevilacqua was like the man just being laps right now. Yeah. <laughs> He's on lap like, 14 billion. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I want to say like his was like close to 100. I think he had like 95 or 96 or something like that. And then like he would just like the, the, the next lap just off a really small wake that were riding behind, just pull off the biggest front flip I'd ever seen at that time. And I was just like who is this guy? How is he so good? <laughs> and he's got that um he's got that very unique stalled front flip um, that oh, was, was unique to half the people during that time. Um I remember uh, like what I had for breakfast that morning after I watched that front flip. I was like I, it felt insane. I'm like, "Oh yeah, I had fruit loops. I remember the entire day." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it was so big and stalled and just like and throw. <laughs> yeah, he um Mike Cameron had one that was very similar to that. Um it was also, you know, Dave Jennings style was like that. They go yeah. up and I could never figure out how they did that. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't get it. And I feel it kind of stinks when I when I came in, Ted had already kind of dropped out and got more into the design aspect and the business aspect of water sports. Um even in the mid to late nineties, he was still involved. Um, but I didn't get to run into him too much. He didn't show up for tournaments and things like that. And he was just this larger than life guy that Kent talked about all the time, you know, yeah. cause they were good buddies and they had ridden during that era. And, um, you know, that was one of the things, well, you know, I, I kind of feel like, you know, that's kind of just complaining a little bit about not being able to ride with the legend when I got to ride with so many good legends, you know, they were just personal friends, yeah. but Ted's like the godfather, you yeah. know, he and like uh, Scott Barley of kneeboarding. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, like Tony Claridge and those guys that are just, um, you know, they were just amazing dudes. Uh, yeah. They rode well ahead, of, and they they pushed the sport. Uh, yeah, even down to it the, is today. I mean, if you can rock a mullet and a mustache as well as Ted does, man, that's amazing. Oh man, that mustache was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it, man. He and he was such a great. He he looked like he was always having fun. Oh yeah. Um, which is one thing that even today when you see him ride, he rides so smooth and he still looks like he has fun. Yeah, just big smile on his face. And the, like it's one of the reasons why, like, for me, it's like our Dave Jennings is a goat, and then right after him, it's like the next person I want to watch ride is Ted Bevilacqua. Like mm-hmm. he just everything looks in control. Like he knows everything about you know kneeboard, and it's not like he's like out there fumbling around like oh you know how do i do this he's always in control always smooth always happy like it make watching him ride makes me want to ride which is like all right let's go i I was always impressed by anybody who looked happy because i felt like when i was out there i'm like i feel like i'm doing a pull up with a truck on me you know like like, this is work son i've got to i'm trying not to die and i feel like i'm doing the most strenuous exercise ever 
So when oh, those guys yeah. ride that effortlessly, I, it's so impressive to me. And Likewise. You know, and you, I mean, you ride effortlessly. I mean, it, it's crazy that you guys go that big and it doesn't look like you're having to work as hard to get there. I know you are, but you don't <laughs> make it look like it's that hard. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm ultra impressed and uh, I can't wait to, you know, get with Tom. Um, those other guys and you can talk to them. They're just riding. So it's, it's cool to see guys that are true watermen that go out and they do all of it. And, you know, Ted's one of those dudes. You're one of those guys. Um, it's, it's, it's neat to see. I will uh, say like during the, the photo shoot we've had, like we had to do all these different things like, you know, wake surf, ski, slalom ski, like, Tom is one of those guys just like on it and just like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And I'm like, you know, he, he'll do it really well too. Like, you know, we got great shots from it and it's really, oh, he you know, it, bro. He, he's so he, good. like he can ride anything. <laughs> yeah. He, he put a cooler lid out there and he's better yeah. than most people on a yeah, board. He'll, you know? he'll barefoot, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Ski, Kneeboard, yeah. wakeboard, he's on it. <laughs> and the dude's what an engineer, so he's just out making crap at home too. That's just ridiculous. Oh yeah, I so love he, uh, I love his uh, new thing he just made. It's like um, something to place over the top of your kneeboard for anyone mm -hmm. that's like hitting their knuckles on the the front of their kneeboard. It's basically like a padding that'll like stop your fingers from getting all cut up. Yeah, let me know how that works. It's still gonna hurt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. It, it'll still hurt. I it personally have hurt. that problem, but I know people that do have that problem. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing. That's a cool product. Uh, you know, it's it's neat to have, and it's gonna definitely save knuckles. Yeah, um, I mean, my fingers are all jacked up from getting them, uh, learning combos, and then the board oh. catching over the rope and jamming your fingers. But the board's rotating, all your weights underneath it, and your fingers are pinned. You ever have one of those? It's it's been a while. It's been a while since I've had one of those, but I have had one of those, and they, they suck. Suck because <laughs> your your fingers are in a vice, and you cannot get them out, and they're just getting crushed. Oh, you can't let it go. Um, and then but you, I'm sure you've had it where you get like blood underneath your fingernail, and then it's just a slow process of it. Never, never no? did that. Never. Um, just broke fingers. I mean, all my fingers are. Hey, I have to see where's my camera. Um. <laughs> Their knuckles are all hammered out from just smacking the top of everything. Oh, it's it's insane. Um, but I mean, it's part of it. I mean, you're that close to something that has super sharp edges. <laughs> part of the game. Yeah. So, where do you see it going, man? Where do you see kneeboarding going? I don't know, man. Like it's it's kind of hard to say because I feel like it's kind of like all over the place. But I feel like we're going to, you know, slowly grow the sport more and more. And I see a lot of people from all over the world, like reaching out to me that are hyped on it. I'm just like, okay, like, how do we, how do we get all this organized? How do we like, you know, stay in touch? How do we, you know, grow the sport? And I think part of it is doing big tricks. I will say like, I feel like I probably like pushed out for a while and I was like, I think there's other ways of like, you know, growing the sport other than doing big tricks as well. I think it's just getting involved and teaching people and coaching people. I think that's probably the most important thing any kneeboarder can do is share the sport with others. Um, mm -hmm. Just having conversations about it like we're doing right now. I think that's great for kneeboarding and having contests like the ones that you would make. Like, honestly, your launch pad contest is like one of the best contests I've ever been to. Like there's, 
very few, if any, that I felt like were, you know, anywhere in comparison. And it was because it was for the riders. So mm. I think anyone that wants to like start a contest, I think it's very important to just be like, all right, what do the riders want and how do we serve the riders? So yeah. if we can do that, I think we're going to have a, a growing healthy sport. I think um, with the project Launchpad, my idea behind that was to get out, get people out one and ride that day, but everybody go out and have fun. It wasn't a high pressure, uh, you know, that basically best of three kind of scenario where you take your best score and then you can move on. So you could actually try something a little harder, but you still had a safety net of a, of a gimme to maybe get through. Um, yeah. I don't know. It was, it was definitely fun. I wish I would have gotten a chance to practice. Uh, so I wouldn't have been so terrible there. Um, uh, but to see even can't do his triples and, you know, we probably should have had more time to set everything up a little better. Um, yeah. We did but, our best. Yeah. I mean, it was a kind of a first time thing and with the way that that worked and, um, you know, if there was interest, I would definitely do it again. And I think we could get, um, our, the boat company where we're at them to, to sponsor something or at least help put that together and maybe work with the guys that elevated. Um, oh, yeah. I think oh, it's bad. It looks fun. Have you been? Yes. <sighs> messes with cool. me because it's a, um, clockwise. See, like that always messes my head too, because I think most cables are counterclockwise and the mm -hmm. cable I ride as counterclockwise. So anytime I ride a clockwise, I'm like, okay, this is actually supposed to be easier for me being that I'm left forward, but I tend to go switch through the corners anyway. So I'm going right. to switch both side and I'm all confused. <laughs> Bro, I think, uh, for me, it this got to be really cranked up and most of the time they have it turned down for smaller kids. Yeah. Uh, so it's not too much. And I think that was one of the issues plus not practicing. Um, so I looked pretty terrible out there. I was pretty embarrassed about my last performance, uh, but it's rad. It's fun. It's an awesome facility. Um, Morgan's done really well with it. Um, they're doing camps. Uh, I think you can post up out there and camp out out there too. Cause it's kind of in the middle of nowhere relative to the rest of the world, but his, his facility is amazing. Um, they've done a really good job and their, their camps are doing really well uh, with kids. So that's a good way to grow the sport. Um, back to that, I, I went and rode with, um, my buddy, Ryan Carroll, his daughter, Zoe Carroll. Um, she wanted to ride that cable. So he came down, I brought him one of the extra cable boards. We rode together, just two old dudes, uh, two dads with the, you know, then Zoe was out there and she was actually at that thigh high tournament. Um, yeah. yeah, she, she stuck her back roll for the first time and she's nine. That's insane. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So she's Shout doing her. Yeah. She's doing toe side 180s, uh, you know, wake to wake 180s. And she landed, I think she's landed a back row like three or four times. That's really good for age nine. Yeah. So don't, don't hold me to that to age. I, I'm hard to keep up with even how old I am, but I think she's nine now. And well, regardless, I'm just gl glad that she completed her goal on that back roll. Nah, yeah, she did. <laughs> well, she's super pumped, like, but she keeps campaigning for him to buy a G. Uh, uh, she's like, I really like the G wake, and he's like, I bet you do. <laughs> yeah, you should also buy a Paragon while you're at it. You know, imagine. It. I mean, and he's got an Axis H, you know, a T twenty two, which is an awesome boat. Yeah, good boat. That's a very yeah. good. Boat. And she, she's like, I want the G twenty three, and I think it's anything. You were like, ah, oh, well, that's. You know, the highest end, I, you know, I bought boards when I was coming up that I thought just would make me ride better. 
Yeah. Because it was a better board, but it's never that. Oh, yeah. I thought the same way. Like, I bought uh, Nick Davies Pro Model when it came out because I was like, oh, man, he's the best cable rider in the world. I'm going to love this. And, like, I, I personally didn't like it, but, like, <laughs> hey, props to him for shredding it. <laughs> right. I, you get on some boards. Uh, I think, you know, the Harley Clifford boards are really difficult for a lot of people to ride because of the abrupt kick to it. But um, I was hanging out with Shane Bonifay at an event we had with Liquid Force and, uh, I was giving him a hard time. I'm like, dude, why do you make your board so damn hard to ride? <laughs> yeah, this first few models had like the craziest three stage rockers ever. And it was like hitting the double up every time. And it, it looked like I hurt his feelings. You know, I was like, no, dude, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just, it was so hard. Cause you know, it fit his style at the time and was completely against how I rode uh, with carrying speed and stuff into the wake. And that's a rad dude too. Have you, have you gotten a chance to spend time with Shane? Oh, I love Shane. I've yeah, hanged out with him awesome. on the cable. He's just like, he's very chill and just loves wakeboarding. He's all about it. So I'm like, you know, I, I've seen him do like toe side double roll to reverts off the right XL back in the day. I remember her seeing him try to do double Pete Rose before one of the Peacock brothers pulled that off. I'm just like, he was getting smoked, but it was amazing. <laughs> when he landed the Tootsie Roll, uh, that was amazing because that was such a, that trick was such a groundbreaking trick because it was an unnatural rotation in a flip. And I think that was a turning point for wakeboarding to really um, explore non-traditional rotations and flips, non-natural rotations. Yeah. I think for me, uh, like when I was a kid, one of the first riders I saw like riding rails, like he's, I want to say he was probably the first rail rider I saw. I just remember seeing a picture of him on Wake World or wakeboarder.com. Mm-hmm. It was one of those two websites. And there was an article. And you just saw him on a rail, just fully nose pressed, like super high. I'm like, what is this? I didn't even know that was possible on a wakeboard. And it just like amped me up. Like it like motivated me to want to ride rails. So like props to Shane for like getting me stoked. On, on a me. rigid board, like nose yeah. pressing a rigid. Exactly. Like, it was, I, I no really appreciate it. Like, as a kid, because I had no idea. It was such a you know rigid board that it wouldn't naturally press like that. And mm-hmm. he was just so athletic, you just get it up down. And it was it was insane to see that. I because I tried it about a million times after he did it, and all I did is just jump on it and I'm leaning. Oh yeah. Uh, the only <laughs> thing I could ever nose press was a peak, like the first peak. Uh, yeah. Because it was way too flexible. If you leaned any anyway, it was gonna press. Yeah. So it made you look super dope, even though it you know, it was, it was just super easy at that time. Um, yeah, some boards yeah. are like that. It's just like you just lean a little bit that way and you're fully nose pressed. Yeah, you're like, wah, 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 wah. like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of a good rider. Yeah, I do this occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing to see the technology and boards and whatnot and how they've come. And are you guys right now, are you guys shooting for catalog for next year? Yes, sir. Doing, uh, uh, we did knee boards. We did skis and what else did we do? We did knee boards and skis and uh, I think we got a couple wakeboard shots as well. Nice, that's cool, man. I, I do they have new graphics this year? Or are they running uh, a second year of the same graphics? So I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say. We might just edit this out if you can. Yeah. Uh, but I think the Sozo is going to be the same graphic and the Enforcer kneeboard is going to be a different graphic. Well, and, uh, a lot of the companies are going with 
one graphic for two years on models that they don't sell a tremendous amount of relative to the rest of the line. So you're seeing that as a trend. So if it is, I don't think, uh, I don't think you're gonna get docked too heavily if that's the case, but I mean, cause that graphic's pretty badass anyway. Yeah. Thank you. Not that I worked on it, but I, oh, sorry, it. I was like, did you design it? That's pretty bad. Yeah, it was me. It was me. <laughs> that's all me. <laughs> I'll take credit for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, have they come, has, is there new technology and anything that's coming out or have you seen any talks of anything? Um, I've, I've heard a lot of talks on stuff and stuff I, I won't dive into, but mm -hmm. I've heard talks about, you know, various stuff that might be happening. Yeah, that's cool. We'll keep uh, an eye on it. I'm sure we'll see you on it. Cause you're, especially if it's cable oriented, you're kind of the man at that, uh, by far, arguably the best cable knee border of all time. Thank you so uh, much. <laughs> minus uh, maybe Jared. Jared uh, is awesome. Like yeah. I, I would, I would make the argument like Jared's probably the best rail rider in the world. He's just so consistent on staying online. Like I'll get a good line on a rail, but it might take me a few mm -hmm. tries. Jared is just like, Oh, I'll ride that really skinny long rail forever. Like every right. time. Every lap. Like, okay. <laughs> I think, uh, I think in kneeboarding though, the, the thing about riding rails and you know how hard it is. I know how hard it is. I think from a spectator's standpoint, it's very unimpressive, you know, um, it's cool to ride it. What's that? I fully agree. I actually, um, one of the, the last photo shoots I went to, I was like, all right, I know what gets people hyped up and that's kicker hits on the kneeboard. So I'll do kicker hits. And then after we get all the kicker hits out of the way, then we'll do rail stuff. Let's hope, hopefully we'll get some good rail stuff, but I know, I know that kicker stuff does well better for general audiences. So, like, right. so the real stuff's cool. And I, I know how complicated it is. And I've seen his footage and it's amazing. Um, I just don't think that it translates to the general public on how difficult what he actually doing is doing. Oh, yeah. I, I'll be the first to say it. Like I am a huge fan of rail riding, but I'll be perfectly honest. Like not every rail trick looks really like impressive on an e-board. Like it's very hard to do a rail trick on an e-board and make it look impressive. So like, I fully agree with what you're saying right there. Weren't you doing like an, an odd, like rail slide on the kneeboard? Like on your, yeah, I tried like to do like, I never really got it, but I was trying to do like an MJ on an e-board. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you, if it's technically an MJ, but I'm sideways on the rail mm -hmm. and I would just try and like put all my weight down on that side and try and like press on it. And I would kind of get it, but like, I would generally fall if I got it. And if I, mm. if I, if I landed, I probably didn't do it right. So I was like, uh. right. I think this I saw you hard. working on it and I saw the potential of it. I just didn't know how, how far you got into it. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of want to revisit it, but it's one of those things where it's like, it's really difficult. And I, I, I probably, it's one of, one of those things I'd probably never be happy with it. I'd probably be like, Oh, I could have done it better. <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, I wonder what a kneeboard would look like that would actually work to where you could do that. You know, um, yeah. it would probably have to have like a 90 degree sides almost. Uh, yeah, like a big thick side on it. So you have a lot more room to kind of like lock in the place on it. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, it would look like a big spoon. Maybe yeah. get an old Vortex. Get the old Vortex Pro <laughs> out there. I'm That's actually a good idea. idea. I'm going to have to like go to eBay or OfferUp and see if I can find a Vortex. I've, I've got one in my uh, in my <laughs> basement, but I don't – Um, it has a terrible pad. It had a terrible pad anyway. Yeah. So to see Jonathan ride that board back in the day knowing – and that was the best pad at the time. It was amazing. Oh, 
if Jonathan wrote that thing, you got to put that thing like on a mantle if it's not there already. <laughs> Frame it. Um, I just he started um Charleston Wake Surf School. Um, so I did his logos and sent his graphics to him. Um, I hope that that's successful for him because he's still in the water sports and he's getting people out there. And hopefully, uh, we're taking a big road trip this upcoming at the 5th of July for the next week. We're going to basically do like a 2100 mile loop in the camper van. So we'll be vagabond in it. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and we'll stop through Charleston and probably check him out, at least have a beer and shoot the junk. Um, I was, he's got an A24. I was very unaware that he's still in the industry. So shout out Jonathan, like hype to hear that. <laughs> yeah. He's uh he took a job down there. I think he, um, he said he has some, something to do with concrete and construction. And, um, he's, he just started the Charleston wake surf school. Um, and it's like basically like a charter thing to go out and surf. Um, so hopefully that's going to be successful for him. And I know that, um, it worked out a deal with Axis. He's got an Axis A24. It looks super dope. Um, I don't know. We'll wait and see, but uh, hopefully I'll get down awesome, and get the runway. Right like, I hope it does well. Yeah, it's a good way to – and that's a beautiful town, too, um, to get down there. And he's hopefully we'll have time to stop in and see him when we're going through and um, see how that works out and just uh, catch back up. So and I'm trying to catch up with David too. That guy's flying all over the place. I don't know if you catch him on Instagram or uh, Facebook, but that dude is, <laughs> he flies and he's just everywhere. Like every day he pops up a couple thousand miles from the day before. <laughs> <laughs> just traveling the world. <laughs> yeah, living it's life. Pretty, yeah. It's pretty awesome. It seems like he's doing pretty well. He had a mess of kids, but um, you know, they're all doing well too. It seems. That's so awesome. everybody, everybody's still doing good. Every, the, everything seems to be falling in place and everybody has their hardships and whatnot, I guess. But uh, it seems that everybody's just embracing life and having a little bit of fun right now. That's what I like to hear, man. You know, people out there just enjoying what they're doing. Loving yeah, it. Man. It's uh, I'm, I'm following you online. Uh, tell people how to follow you, man. Um, you can follow me on YouTube or Instagram. Um, if you uh, t go to YouTube, you just forward slash John Hale and you'll find my YouTube channel. Yeah. And how do you spell that? Just in case. Cause John. Uh, and oh yeah. So uh, it's J O H N and then H A I L E. So it's like the weather, but with an E at the end of it. Nice. And that's going to be in your Instagram and, and YouTube. Uh, yes. Yeah, so youtube.com forward slash John Hale and then Instagram is at John Hale. Nice. Um, that's fantastic, man. How often are you putting videos out? Um, so I'm definitely committed to every single Wednesday. Undeniably, there will be a video every single Wednesday morning at nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And then more recently, I've been a lot better at just pumping videos out much faster. So I've been getting tutorials done every Tuesday for uh, learning wakeboarding trick names. And we're also going to start doing other stuff as well. Like I got contests that I just dropped recently where we did rail contests and kicker contests at elite and hopefully I'll be better at keeping a more regularly updated videos. How do people get your swag again? Uh, hats, t-shirts. Oh yeah. So you go to www.wakestees.com. That's W A K E S T E E Z E.com. Nice man. Well, I hope, uh, I hope the six or seven people that listen to this right now get <laughs> yeah. and, uh, check it out. And, uh, 
you know, I appreciate you taking the time and hanging out with me, man. And as it's yeah. great catching up with you. I think you're a great personality in kneeboarding and water sports period. You're infectious. You got a bunch of kids that you seem to interact with really well. That's the next generation. It seems like you're doing the best to keep everything going. And, um, I, you know, I commend you for it. Um, mm -hmm. I'm glad you're carrying that torch. My back and ankles have yeah. not allow that. And I know a lot of the older guys, um, don't, they can't anymore. And it's good to see that your generation is doing so. And you guys are still hyped about the sport. Yeah. And thank you for having me on your uh, podcast. And I just want to give a quick shout out to my sponsors. Thank you to O'Brien water sports and thank you to evil coffee for sponsoring me and supporting me. And also thank you to everyone that's gotten you involved in the water sports. Thank you to everyone that's gotten myself involved with water sports and all the cool people I've met through water sports. Like, Thank you to everyone that's come before us and thank you to everyone that's a part of it now. Like huge shout out to everyone. I love all of you. And uh, yeah, thanks again. Yeah, brother. Let's uh, let's give, I'm going to pull you up here and we're going to give, let you do us on the outro here. Uh, one of the big hues or whatever it is that you do and just all right. transition right here. All right. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. And thank you guys for watching this podcast. We will catch you guys in the next time. Make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to it. And we will see you next time. Peace out. Yo! Boom, boom, boom. Oh.